on the Pilot TV podcast this week. We are live for our 250th episode. Thank you very much. I'm James Dyer. Thank you very much for coming out for this show where Pilot TV is not just in your ears, but also in your faces. So that's, uh, so that's nice. Uh, speaking of which, I recognize a few of the ones in here today. Give us a quick cheer if you were here for the ridiculous 10-hour 200th episode. I promise it won't be that long. Uh, give us a quick cheer if you subscribe to Pilot Plus. There will be extra cake for you. Uh, give us a quick cheer if you have literally no earthly idea who I am and you're just here for Ricky Gervais. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming. Please don't leave during the interval. Uh, but honestly, why would you? We do have quite a lovely show for you tonight. We are going to be fending off an alien invasion with invasion on uh, Apple TV+. Plus. We're going to be finding out who Erin Carter is with the rather appropriately titled who is Erin Carter on uh, Netflix. Uh, and we're going to be bumping into dead bodies in our sleep with Ruth Wilson in The Woman in the Wall on BBC One. Uh, so three great shows. Uh, and as we said, it's been a great year for shows. It has been a great year for shows. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, James, you say that literally every fucking year. But it is an era of peak TV, right? Like, it's a great time for television. I don't think that's a secret. Like, this year, we have had... What have we had? We've had The Last of Us. We've had the White Lotus. We've had Colin from Accounts. We've had Happy Valley. And more than all of that, we've had the return of what I think we can all agree is one of the greatest shows of all time, Foundation Season 2. So, you know, everyone is covered. But uh, no, genuinely, it's been a great year. We've had Barry, we've had uh, Silo, we've had Beef, we've had you. That's Beef and you, not Beef with you. Although you are judging our cakes later, so anything is possible. Uh, but look, we've got a lot to get through tonight. We have shows to talk about. We've got people to talk to. We've got things to eat. Uh, so we should probably get on with it. Um, now, a lot of people think you should save the best till last. I do not hold with that at all. So I think put your big guns out first. Come out swinging. So let's begin with the man that you are frankly all here to see. It is Boyd Hilton. <laughs> Hello, Boyd. Thanks. Thanks very much. Very good. Thank you. Uh, no, no, Boydie is not just the man you are here to see. Our first guest tonight is one of the greatest stand-up comedians of our age. Uh, he is a man whose mantelpiece sports uh, BAFTAs, British Comedy Awards. It's got Emmys. It's got Golden Globes. He is responsible for creating iconic shows like The Office, like Extras, like Derek, like Afterlife. Please put your hands together and give a very, very warm welcome for our first guest, Mr. Ricky Gervais. Hello. Thank you. Hi, Ricky. Hello. Thanks for doing this. Oh, no. My Saturday pleasure. Night. What, would you, what would you normally be doing on a Saturday night? Not this. <laughs> no. No. In fact, the only reason I'm doing it is is because of you. Okay. Uh, for 20 years of nice reviews. Well, uh, it's a no, usually. It's a no. I've got to get dressed. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, sort of. <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing pants. Uh, I mean. I haven't worn pants goodness. for like three years. COVID. Fair enough. Got to hold my own mic. I know. 
You should have, yeah, we should have thought of that, given you a lapel mic. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. But it's lovely to be here. That's good. That's good to know. Um, you're currently in the middle of, or you're currently nearing the end of your Armageddon tour. Yeah. And you've been doing, and that followed pretty quickly from the previous tour, Supernature. It did, because uh, the, the hold-up, I, I filmed, um, well, the Supernature tour took three years with a, a little break yeah. in the middle. And then um, I, uh, I recorded that in like October, November, and they didn't put it out till May. Right. So I'd already started doing the new one from like January. Uh, so it was sort of ready to go. So yeah, it, it was pretty seamless. And um, uh, I, if people said there's no more television anymore, I'd be quite happy with doing stand-up. Really? It's, it's, I think it's my favorite thing now from going, well, I can't wait to finish this to start again. I love the whole process of it. Um, uh, but I think maybe my TV career has sort of fed my stand-up <laughs> career a bit. I don't think yeah. I'd be playing stadiums around the world if I hadn't done any TV. Um, but uh, no, I'm, I'm, I really, really enjoy stand-up now, yeah. And what is it about it that you enjoy? Do you enjoy, the, is it the writing process? Is it kind of... It's everything because it's so different to... When you do a, a, a TV show or a film or anything narrative, you do your best. You write, you rewrite, um, you film it, you edit it, you do your best guess and you put it out there and that's it. Whereas stand-up, it, um, it's slightly different because it's less of an art form and more of a science. It either works or it doesn't. So you know that joke works. They laughed. That works. Keep that bit. They didn't like that, but improve it or, or lose it. So it's sort of, after like 50 gigs, the audience... Uh, have found you your perfect hour. And once it works, it works forever and everywhere if they speak English. Um, so that's exciting. That's really exciting. I, I, the pressure's off now. My first few stand-ups, I wrote and wrote and wrote and went up and uh, out and practiced it and got it good. Mm. The last couple, uh, certainly Humanity and, uh, and Supernature and mostly this one, I walked out with nothing and found the funny, I had some notes, and I, and I told them that, I go, oh, that didn't work. And they like looking behind the curtain and that, but that's where you find, I think that's where you find your best stuff, really. You yeah. then have to, you know, you probably have to put as much work in on both by tweaking it, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's sort of, um, it's very natural, it feels mm. very organic. Uh, yeah. And of course, there's no one to answer to except the police. <laughs> Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think it might be going that they way. They may be involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, as long as you don't break the law, yes, it's up to you. There's and um, even though I get fine led it on TV and film, there's still sixty people involved. Yeah, you know, you're still asking, oh, will that work? Will that work? Whereas here, I go, it's it's say say the funniest thing you can. It's it's so simple. Yeah, you do you hone it though, don't you? You do you do like warm up. You do um, work in progress shows more up. more than ever. Right again, I, my I first one. my first shows because I thought they were written. They were more like Edinburgh shows where I'd yeah. written them and I went out and I practiced them. Whereas these, I think I did fifty or sixty warm ups before I put a ticket on sale. So I, you know what I mean. So I I knew you, you kick the door down, you're ready. Um, uh, but yeah, I enjoy that process as well. I really enjoy yeah. every step of the way. Listen, I enjoy TV. I, I enjoy waking up and having an idea and thinking, is that is that stand up or is it is it um, podcast? Is it film? Is it a? It's it's lovely. It's a lovely position to be in that mm. you know you can do anything. And and I used to, I've got that sort of brain where I'd I'd rather be doing 
three things than one. But now I'm getting older, that seems more stressful. Mm. Um, so uh, stand-up, I don't have to worry about. You go out and do your best, and that's it. You just keep doing it. It's like you don't, you don't have to prepare, in a way. Yeah, I remember going to one of those um, working progress shows at a tiny venue in North London off, um, near Muswell Hill, I think, and um, Liam Gallagher was in the row in front of me and oh, was yeah. laughing hysterically at every single thing you said. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it seemed like you hadn't really... You, you said you just had a few notes and you hadn't really written it out properly. You just No, kind of... well, I just think that you've sort of done the hard work. I've done the hard work for 60 years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I should sort of know what's got something in it and... And I like, I like talking, I like finding the funny. Um, all the way through the pandemic, I did a thing where I did, did Twitter Live and answered questions. Yes. And you riff and riff. Which and it's you like, bollocks on a... a yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, talking bollocks. Um, but yeah. it's sort of stand-up. It's still, you know, yeah. it's just that I haven't rehearsed it, you know, but it's still, you still want to put the work in. You want to come up with something original. You want to put your thoughts. I mean, that's what stand-up is, isn't it? It's, it's having a, a point of view. It's an attitude. It's having a point of view to stuff. Mm. You know, everyone talks about the same things, but it's, it's what's, what's your take on it? What's yeah. your personal experience? Do you have influences in stand-up particularly? The, the, you know, people who you watched yeah. when you were younger? Um, a couple of, I'll say a couple of obvious ones, but maybe not. Um, uh, Billy Connolly was, I thought, he, he's, he's like, he is in the pub. I want to be like that. That's when you're funniest yeah. with your friends. Yeah. You know, what, look, you know, uh, uh, backstage... You go out on stage and go, oh, they're going to be as funny as I just was in the dressing room. Or uh, We were just talking and, yes. with, you know, things we can't say <laughs> yes. in public. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, so I got that from him. Like, talk, to, to treat these people, uh, uh, you know, like equals or even better than you. You're, you're an idiot. You're a court mm. jester. That's the important thing, I think, about comedy as well. We're court jesters. We've got to be... Um, we've sort of got to be... Uh, I don't know, down with the peasants laughing at the king, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that's hard when people know what comedians earn. So you do, you, you get, you have to be low status, right? And I, I do that in two ways. One, I sort of let them peek behind the curtain. You think, oh, you think, you know, things like, first time I took a private jet, and this is true, the pilot thought I was the cook. <laughs> he went through there, I went... <laughs> You know what I mean? So you let them peek behind the curtain. It's not all glamour. Yeah. The other way I do it is I talk about things where I'm worse off than them. I'm fat and old and going to die soon. You know? Mm -hmm. um, and so that, I, I thought that was Biddy Connolly's greatest thing. That he just he talked to everyone like he knew yes. them. They were his friends. No airs and graces. And the other influence was, I think it was my um, first or second stand-up. I... I read uh, Sign Language by Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. And it was perfect. It was just perfect. So I, I tried to get the sort of perfection of that, in taking the sort of logical conclusions, observations, but I did it like I was saying it for the first time. Mm. I even, I purposely wear shit jeans and drink Fosters. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's, it's a bit of marketing. I mean, I do anyway, but I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I, I I I want them to know that you, you you want them to know that you're you're one of them. You're you know that 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 that's the idea, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, completely. I, I, I don't think, and no one wants to hear what a brilliant day you've had. <laughs> no, do you know what I mean? No. Yeah, it's like I don't want to. And how lovely everyone is. Yeah, how, how amazing everything <laughs> yeah. is. Isn't it great? Yeah. No, I, I had a fucking horror today, mate. You <laughs> yeah. know, you, they want to. 
Yeah. Um, you've got to, and that's the other thing I think it, there is a bit of whinging about it because I don't want to see a, a, a handsome 25 year old with great hair telling me what a bad day he's mm. had fuck off <laughs> yeah yeah, handsome young stand-ups I find weird. Yeah, 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 is, yeah, yeah. 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 You've got to be a complete. Uh, Larry David once said to me, he "said You've got to come to terms with your own inadequacies. That's how you can be funny." Yes. Yeah. Yes. You were on an episode. I was going to ask you this later, but since you mentioned him, you were on an episode of Kurt, one of my favourite episodes, where you played quite a twatty version of yourself. Yes. You wore a white scarf, for example, which you'd never do in real no. life, would you? I never wear a scarf. Right. Right. I'd rather get a cold than wear a scarf. Exactly. Same. Same, yeah. <laughs> but how was that experience working with Because he has such a unique way of it's working. Great. It was surprising. It was different than I thought. I, I, um, I've always liked him. I, I think, I think he's the greatest creator of my uh, uh, generation. Consistently brilliant, pushing the boundaries. Seinfeld, even though it was the biggest sitcom of all time, I think is still underrated oh, yeah. with the boundaries it pushed and where it went and how it did it on network. I think it's, I think it's genius. And then Curb is just, I watched them all again in yeah. lockdown. They're, they're great, you know. He only ever goes for funny. He never, what's the funniest thing <laughs> I can do here? He, he does that, right? Um, it was great and it was more procedural than I imagined because um, like there's a script and he's written the even though within the thing there's there's improv, he knows where it's got to be and go, and it's all it's all sort of planned. Um, so there's a lot of hard work goes into it. I, I think people who think that improv is turning up and yeah. making it's, it's awful. Even within a structure, um, something like anything like The Office or Derek or Afterlife, you 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 have a screenplay, then you add lib, and of course. That's new when everyone's laughing at those. But in the cold light of day, you've got to lose a lot of those because they're not driving mm. the plot or they take it away or it's not, it's not as funny as it is against the lines. So it, it just depends. Mm. You know, you, um, uh, you, you always got to look at the whole. You know, you, you can throw out the funniest bits and make it better because people have got to be engaged. That's why it's easier to watch something with a plot and a jeopardy than a thousand one-liners. They can be the best one-liners ever. But after 500, you're going, okay, that's enough. Yes. You know, you've got to have a reason to keep watching it. And, that, and that's, that's the human interest story. Why am I watching this person? What do they want? Do I want them to win? Yeah. You know, the, yeah. uh, I think that's really important. Even though you, if you hide it, and I, I think that's um, um, uh, comedy is an ordinary guy or gal doing something they're not equipped to do. They've got to have high ambitions, but they, they can't, they mustn't succeed straight away. But you've got to want them to. Yeah. I learned that from sort of Laurel and Hardy, you know. Oh, for sure, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Laurel and Hardy, a big influence on you, weren't they? Massive. I grew up watching those. They were a key part of my yeah. childhood. Yeah. And that, that was like, again, I don't think we were, the emotional aspect of that, two idiots in a depression, just trying to, just trying to get something. And, um, it's quite deconstructive as well because, you know, when, when Stan says to Ollie at the beginning of a, a, a feature or whatever, goes, finally things are going our way. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? They're quite bleak, aren't they? Oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. It's great, though. But, again, that's another staple of comedy, isn't it? it uh, um, one of my favourite themes is that we're all idiots, so it doesn't matter. And I like putting all that stuff in. I like putting in the... the all our flaws. I sort of celebrate our flaws. Mm. 
Drama doesn't celebrate your flaws, it hides them. It goes, this guy's perfect, he's going to save the world. Imagine a, imagine a, a hero going about to save the world, Jack Bowers, and he farts. <laughs> <laughs> there, it's a comedy then, it's not yeah. a drama. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, even, so even though I think you are addicted to stand-up, aren't you? I mean, that's something that you kind of really are, you, you kind of love doing. And I really do now, more and more and more. And again, I think um, it, it's like you're always learning with stand-up. There's, it's, it's instant. You get, you know what works and what doesn't, and you've got a problem solve. Um, but I also, uh, in my old age, I'm grateful. I think I always was, but I hid it. But now I really appreciate people coming out and, you know, finding a babysitter in a parking space and spending $100 or whatever. Yeah. I really, I think it's great. You know, I thank them. I think I thank them too much. On You know, I've got to that point yeah, yeah. where... Um, I'm like an old granddad or something. <laughs> but I do. I think it's, it's amazing. I can go around the world and uh, play. To, I mean, the, the privilege of being able to play around the world. I never dreamt of that. That didn't happen in my Yeah, this day. time last week you were in Toronto, I think, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah, Montreal, which is great. A few weeks before um, Hollywood Bowl. Are you, yeah. Is, does the, those classic venues, do they excite you as well? They do. The, the, I've never had experience like the Hollywood Bowl because I've played, you know, places as big and all around the world and I still have to pinch myself but the Hollywood Bowl was something else it was it was it was magical it was outside you know sun went down Dave Grohl Beck wow ridiculous in the audience like oh I was nervous as well I was like I'm, ne I'm never nervous I'm never nervous no. um but I sort of was with that uh but yeah that's uh, that's amazing I almost the part of me wants to do it again because I think you can always, do, you can be better. And then I think, oh no, don't do it again. Because then it, mm. it diminishes that, that time you did it. But, yeah, um, if it lived up to everything you wanted it to be. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 I constantly think like that though. Mm. I constantly think, oh, that's perfect, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, so despite the fact that, you, and you've got like, you've got more dates coming, you've got um, loads of dates at the Palladium coming up and a few women. Yeah. Um, what am I doing? I'm doing like, ah, uh, is it 15 at the Palladium, three at Wembley. I think I've done about 40 at Leicester Square Theatre. And, you know, so London's covered. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it'll be on... Everywhere near my house is totally yes. covered. Because back in the day, you used to prefer doing stuff near your house, really. I used, I mean, my, was... my favourite was um, Bloomsbury Theatre because I yeah. lived in Bloomsbury. Yeah. 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 I did a whole tour there you once. You did, yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but now... Um, no, I, I do like I do like traveling around. I mean, you know, let's get it in context. I go to the nicest places in the world, you know, on in in comfort and stay at the best hotels in the world. It's not like I'm in a transit van, no, going oh, gig number a hundred. You know, um, it's I make it I make it easy and fun, and yeah. I'd rather do that than hate it. I'd rather do that than regret it. You know, yeah. Course, um, so even though you, you are obsessed with stand up and you keep slotting in new shows, etc., and you know, you are, have you got a next project, a TV project, or a film project, or anything in mind? Have you got something that you want to do? You know, you want to do, yeah. I got it down to two, and I've started developing one with Netflix. Um, we've already I've, I've done a couple of days on it, and uh, um, I, I, I'll tell you what, it's it's an, it's an animation, an mm -hmm. adult animation. Not porn. I mean, just for... <laughs> yeah. 
That would be weird, wouldn't that it? That would be unlike it. Animated yeah. porn. Yeah. Just, just porn, but animated. Yeah. I'm uh, sure it's out there. Anything yeah. can happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that before. No, it doesn't use... Um, no, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a group of cats. Oh, I mean, you do love a cat. I love a cat, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if they could talk, that would be pretty much yeah. my best friend ever. <laughs> right. A talking cat. And if it could swear... Well, you'll believe a cat can <laughs> fucking swear. <laughs> oh, that's a, it's like CGI thing, animation. Or, or, uh, no, two D, old two D okay. classic. Okay, yeah, Interesting. yeah. Um, and we're just starting it, so. Uh, uh, and there was another idea as well that would be me in it, but um, I can always do that. I, yeah, one at a time, I think. And I want to start stand up straight away. Oh. Um, when, once I film this. Uh, I'll uh, I'll start doing my next thing, whatever that yeah. would be. Yeah. yeah. You tweeted recently. Let me read this out. Um, I had an idea today to do a legacy podcast series about afterlife, interviews with the cast and crew, insights into the creation and making of, etc. But then I realised I couldn't be bothered. What a pointless fucking tweet. <laughs> I think I might have thought that halfway through the tweet. Yeah. You still finished it. Yeah. 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 You can but, edit. You yeah. can edit now on Twitter. Yeah. 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 But let's talk about Afterlife. Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. This can be the Let's Legacy Podcast. 20 minutes. I volunteered to carry on. I'll yeah. do the rest of the series. It's yeah. fine. Um, it's 18 months since it last, since it ended. Yeah. What most surprised you about the reaction to, to Afterlife? Well, the viewing figures mental never seen anything like that never dreamt it would i was worried whether anyone would like it let alone that many people so that's mind-blowing it's still mind-blowing you know um but the emo emotional reaction i think the people that no one no one used to stop me on the street like this for anything else and say uh i i lost my mum or my dad or my husband or my wife or my brother uh, no one ever did that. And people don't usually do that anyway. People don't usually go up to a stranger and say about that. So I think the connection with grief was the most surprising. But then it shouldn't be. It should, uh, it, I, I, you know, I was surprised the first few times. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think it was the emotional response to it mm. more than anything. Mm. And I got that a bit with Derek as well. Um, but this was, uh, this was avert. You know, it was... It was uh, it was what everyone picked up on as well, you know, not just the funny bits, but yeah. um, that overall arc of uh, it being about grief. Mm. And I never intended it to be about grief. I intended that as a, it was about a guy who was grieving. Um, but that played in more and more and became more interesting. And also the feedback from the first series made me treat it differently as well. I treated it, he couldn't just flip out of it. He couldn't be you know, I got better. Mm. I met a girl, I got better. Because those things, they don't, you don't get better. Um, not, not, not no. overnight anyway. So it fed into it more and it became more and more a study of, of that. Because mm. uh, the, the author Joyce Carol Oates, who is one of the greatest living writers, oh, yeah. by the way, I don't know if she tweeted yeah. this. She wrote Blonde, the novel, the book novel Blonde, right. Marilyn yeah. Monroe, which has turned yeah. into a film. She tweeted, Remarkable, the Ricky Gervais in low-key comedy drama Afterlife, low-key comedy drama Afterlife, can take up the issues of grief, depression, and suicide so frankly that the series is marked by moments of absurd hilarity. The blunt emotion at the core is absolutely convincing and honest, nor is grief assuaged. So that not assuaging of grief is really key to the whole thing, isn't it? It is. 
it is because um, I did that for a couple of reasons, um, ap apart from wanting to treat it um, with respect, is that I've always been a fan of realism. So um, I, I wanted him to behave like a person like that would. Um, uh, but it doesn't mean it's not funny. I mean, the idea, the, the initial idea was, uh, it was twofold, really. It was, uh, I was on tour with Humanity, I think it was uh, 2017. And there was all the first rumblings of cancel culture and you can't say this, you can't say that. And I thought, you can, right? But some people can't and people were getting fired and people worried about stuff. I said, yeah, um, well, imagine if you didn't care about anything. Imagine if you, you know, you didn't care about anything. Why wouldn't you care about anything? Or if you lost everything, or what would, you, what would be losing everything? Ah, oh, the love of your life. Then you could say what you wanted. And that was the idea. And I thought, well, uh, you know, a man who was going to kill himself but didn't, why didn't he? The dog was hungry. Then I got a dog for six weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, and so that, that all came in the first few seconds of the, you know. Uh, and so it was really a vehicle for this guy to say hilarious, terrible things. So the sadder he was, the more he could get away with, in a way. And uh, I made it sort of, that first episode was pretty top heavy where he says to the little kid in the playground and, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you can say it. I mean. Yeah. That's, that, that wasn't in Terry in June, was it? No. <laughs> no. Well, I, I'm, I want to ask you about tonal shifts, actually, because it's, it's an ongoing um, kind of theme in our podcast that when we review shows, people find... But you do, you literally, on one, one second, you're talking to that little ginger kid and swearing at him, and the next minute, there's an incredibly moving scene literally following on from that how does is how well, does that work how do the tonal shift well work? i just think that it's real life isn't it i got it with derek when they said oh what is derek is it a comedy or a drama i said well it's a fake documentary so what's your life you know i think that's you know we, we can have I, I can anyway i can go from naught to 60 i can have a great time and i get an annoying email i go for fuck's sake that's today ruined <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> and you're very um, easily uh, yeah, am, annoyed. Yeah. I don't want anyone to interfere with my day. No. Um, uh, so, and I worried about that. I thought, can can you go from, uh, you know, this guy being really sad to laughing? And I just think you can, because we're all we're adults, aren't we? And and I think we second guess people too much. I think people go, oh, well, better not put that on telly. People can't take it. Of course they can take it. Real life's much worse. Do you know what real people go through every fucking day? Mm. They can take a bit of swearing. You know? Yeah. It's really weird. And people are worried about one complaint because it ruins it for that person. That, it, 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 you know, so people, are, they want everyone to love it. And they end up with no one loving it. They end up with a lot of people quite liking it. So I think you have to polarise. I think in comedy more than anything. I think you have to polarise in comedy because everyone's different. And it, that you, if you please everyone... You, you're not going to really please anyone. Mm. It, it, it's, it's just so simple. And the only way you can do that is do what you really love and be honest. I think more and more now, I don't think about I want to get more money or more awards or more people watching it. I want to go, am I being as honest as I can be? Am I really being honest? And I think if you go there, people haven't seen it before because mm. most things aren't honest. They're a lovely, safe, whitewashed version of honesty. Um, and that's, that is a risk because a lot of times people go, fuck this, I'm not watching that, it's terrible. <laughs> but in Netflix, it's always there. 
you know? That's yeah. another does thing. that change it a lot, do you think? Yeah, it does, yeah. I think it, it, it changed the way movies were made, firstly, because most movies in Hollywood 10 years ago were, you know, like, say, a rom-com. They were all the same. So people would go, oh, I like that one they're in. This is the same. And it stayed in cinemas long enough to make its money back. Whereas Netflix said, watch it when you want. You know, they, mm -hmm. they, do a, they don't do um, a launch day. They do a launch month. And I still, it's, still, it's still going up. When then the first series of um, Afterlife went out, the views of Derek went up 40%. So, so it finds, they go, oh, you know, mm. it's always there. And now everyone's online. So there's no pressure. You don't have to water things down to make everyone watch it at once. You do, you do your best shot. And there's a lot of people in the world, 8 billion people in the world. You yes. don't need... You don't need 1% of those to make it the biggest show of all time, you know. Yeah, and, I, and I think um, I think the more you polarise and the more something is different and special and uncompromised, the, m the more people will love it. You know, I, I said it when I first did The Office. I'd rather, I didn't want to get it be like 10 million's 10th favourite show. I want to be 1 million people's favourite show. That's, that's, that's what I, and I still stick to that. And now... There's no restriction because of because of Netflix. You know, you've always had creative freedom, though, haven't you? You always kind of insisted on doing what you. Yeah, want. you have to fight for it the first time, and then, but you can lose it by doing a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. They're not going to go. Oh, I, you know, they're, they're, it's not a charity. Yeah, you know, it, it, there's goodwill doesn't last long. It doesn't. So you've just got to keep. It's funny because you're fighting. You know, often you're fighting executives to, to, so they get promoted. <laughs> yes. If you're right, they go, it's brilliant. Yeah. If you're wrong, they go, yeah, we dropped him. <laughs> so it's, it's all on you, yeah. you know. Yeah, a lot of executives discovered a lot of uh, great yeah. talents. Yeah. Well, um, Christopher Guest, when I was uh, doing a film, I said they wanted me to do like a focus group. And he went, why would you? He said, if they're in the editing process, get them involved in the writing process next time, right? <laughs> And he told me a story that as a, as a joke goes around Hollywood where an executive watches a film and he comes out of the uh, screening room and another exec says, what do you think? And the first exec says, I don't know, I'm the only one who's seen it. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's so good. <laughs> um, which part of the process do you enjoy? Like you write the stuff, you produce it, you act in it, you direct it. Which bit of it do you enjoy I've the most? i thought about this. Yeah. I like them all. Okay. I, lo I like every process different. I can't wait to go on to the next day. Just like when I'm filming, I want every day to be, oh, this is my favorite day ever. We get to do this, you know. But if I had to hone it down to one thing, it's the idea in my head when I'm jogging or on a plane. And I, get, I go, oh, oh, that's, that's the best. Mm. That's the best it gets. Because you imagine it all in a, a split second. And yeah. it's not yours. That idea is not yours. You just, it just fell into your head. So it's a gift. So all you have to do is make sure that sometimes your head's free to get an idea. You can't sit down and go, I'm going to think of the best idea ever. That makes no, no sense at all. You no. can't choose your thoughts. No. So you just have to go, oh, right, I can only ruin this. That's an amazing <laughs> idea. Yeah. Do you remember those ideas? It, it, I don't remember. You I don't remember. need to jot them down. I do, I yeah. do. Yeah. And they don't change much. Because if it's a good idea, you have a thousand ideas a day. Mm. And most of the time you go, yeah, yeah, cheers, no. 
<laughs> no, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Then you go, oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Tubby little ginger cunt. <laughs> Shakespeare. Yeah. He had the yeah. same. We did. Very yeah. similar. Yeah. The same similar. feeling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Talking of the afterlife supporting cast, the incredible ensemble that by the third series you had like a lot of you gave a lot of scenes to you know the UNSSO Ian and you celebrated yeah. that thing. Do you have one character? If which character would you most like to do a spin-off series with? Do you think? Oh, well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because the obvious ones are the the Kramers, yeah, but they're not always the best no. for the spin-off because they're in short amounts and they're. Uh, I mean, I did. I did think, I, I, I did think of like um, Brian and James, mm. you know, and then Ken Otley. I love Ken Otley. Ken, Ken Otley just doing yeah. the stuff, just yeah. doing a... Colin Holt is phenomenal. Colin Holt, yeah. Um, uh, and then there's like June and Tony uh, and Lenny. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't do it, but I'd, I'd love them to. Yeah. So you can have it. Would you let him do it? Okay. Yeah, I'd love. Oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah. I just—it's the work I don't like. <laughs> um. Of all the sets, I've, I've visited a lot of TV and film. No, sets. I love it. Go on. Yours is incredibly laid back. Yeah. To the point where you—I went to visit. I think series two of Afterlife. I walked in and you were pretty in the middle of filming. And you were like, "Fine." There was no. <laughs> you were, I literally strolled in practically while you know the cameras were running, and you were just laughing and corpsing and all of that. Is that key to? Is that key part of the process to make Absolutely. it that relaxed? And if if you're not like that, something's gone wrong. It means you haven't put the work in. I, I think, uh, I think a lot of it comes with the fact that I've lived with it for a year before I even direct it. I think of the idea, so I know the direction. It comes with it. It comes. It's, I'm thinking television. I'm not thinking of a concept, a philosophical concept, and go, how would I film that? I'm thinking of, I think of what it would look like on telly. So I've had that for a year. I, I trust the actors. I often work with the same actors. Um, you trust your crew. Uh, it's easy. All the hard work's done. Now we just have fun. And um, it goes on the screen. When people say, oh, God, we finished at four. Yeah, but that, that shows. It shows everyone's happy. Everyone, there's a sparkle to it. I hear nightmare stories of people that just, they wish they hadn't taken the job. That's no way to live, you know? Um, so it is always fun. We do muck around. I encourage it. Mm. I, I, I absolutely encourage it. Because um, uh, it, it, it should be fun. It just it should be fun, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, David Fincher talked recently about how he loves the art of the montage. And I was thinking of you because you love a good montage with a good bit of music. I do. It. What um, is it about that, that that you like so much? Well, it, it's, it's a very... Uh, um, practical vehicle for particularly for film and you can you, you know you can use it in in a couple of ways sometimes when the film's too long you can you can cut a boring 20 minutes down to three minutes with a bit of music and go this happened <laughs> right? yeah I mean I think that's when it's used a lot yeah um, uh, I think in TV sometimes if the episode's too short Let's put a bit of music on. <laughs> a minute of them just like walking over a hill. Because the BBC said they wanted 29 minutes. And this episode's coming at 28. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, no, but uh, it's, it's usually... But um, 
the other reason is just to, to um, uh, a mood, mm. to show a mood. Mm -hmm. What's this guy thinking? Well, the music's sad. The music's happy. He's having a good day. He's having a bad day. He's thinking about her. He's, you know, whatever. Um, and another thing about film um, on a budget or TV is usually the music budget is what's left over mm. or what you can get from free from the library, right? That, that's it. I built it in um, uh, with Afterlife, and it's the first time, not only was it probably the highest budget thing I'd done, but I built in a music budget and I chose the songs. I had like 100 songs I wanted to use. And not only that, no one plans a montage. I did. Mm. I wrote the montage in thing. I knew the song I was going to use, so I knew the shots. So the shots look like they, they're meant to be in that song. Um, and I think that resonated more, that I could have all these people, all these people thinking about this thing, as opposed to what was left over in the edit. Um, so I planned the montages to a music I knew I'd already cleared. And that's the other thing about music. Sometimes you have an idea for a song, and they say, no, you're in the editing process, or we can't afford it, or it's too much. I'd negotiated all the prices for this song. I knew what I could afford. Right. And, I, and, I, and I filmed montage. So I knew what pace I wanted the actors to walk at. Um, so I think that's why the montages sort of stood out a bit. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's fascinating, yeah. Um, do you know it's 20 years this Christmas since the Office uh, specials aired? Yeah, 2003. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's your fondest memory of making those, particularly those last episodes? The well, the fondest memory of making the the Christmas ones was I, I was aware I, I was aware um, of the anticipation. I felt it. I felt they wanted. I felt they wanted it, so that was nice. Mm. Um, and the other thing about when you know it, when it, when you know it's the final episode, you put everything into it. You can burn bridges. You can end stories. So that was very exciting. Uh, I think my fondest thing. I love the. Uh, obviously, I, I love the um, dawn coming back. Uh, a big moment. Um, I like. Uh, I'd liked Brent trying to be because that was the first time we'd acknowledged. It had been a documentary and he was a bit famous. Mm. So that gave another layer. The first two series, they were sort of behind closed doors, like they hadn't gone out yet. But the Office special was, oh, this documentary went out and people are recognising Brent. Are you the fat one from airport? No, obviously not. <laughs> so he had that little... Because yeah. it, it was about fame. The Office was yeah. about fame. I'd yeah. watched a lot of those docu-soaps where people became famous for 15 minutes. Mm. And Brent thought, I can be famous here. So it, it coloured everything. So once you know he's doing it to be famous, it all makes sense. If that, was a, if that wasn't a fake documentary and he didn't want to be famous, he'd be a fucking maniac. <laughs> you go, who is this? It's mental, right? Um, yeah. So it, it, made, it all made sense. Um, uh, and, of course, the, uh, the DVD sales. <laughs> We should do on a thing now. Yeah, DVD sales back then I were know. massive. That was they? pretty much the peak, I think, that yeah. 2001 yeah. to four, I reckon, when yeah. it was like, yeah. yeah. Um, someone told me uh, a thing why DVD sales died so quickly. I thought, was it streaming? It wasn't that. It was apparently when people found out how much DVDs cost to make, 
Like they were 1999, yeah. and everyone, oh, they cost a quid, so they had to drop them. <laughs> they were no good. It was a perfect man present. It was easy to wrap, and it was 20 quid. Yeah. So you could buy you could buy a mate a DVD. They are, but then it would like killed it because they want to go. You went four quid on this, <laughs> <laughs> and it was tragic. It was like because the, the, they everyone wanted a DVD out of Christmas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've said before, roughly. I mean, it's a slight paraphrasing that people came for David Brent with the office and they stayed for Tim and Dawn. Yes, but that Tim and Dawn that is a classic rom com, isn't it? Like, that was it is a classic like rom com. Stealth that you that you got that into that. In it is, yeah. So you've got to like them first. You've got to get there for the comedy and then see a bit of a heart and all that. But um, they they'd been doing that in America for years. Yeah. That wasn't. It's just that we didn't much. We didn't really do rom coms in uh, you know a, a, a traditional. A British rom-com was a middle-aged bloke having a midlife crisis, saying terrible things and ending back at square one. There, there was no, there was no romance. Um, but all my favourite things leading up to that were things like uh, Annie Hall and Play It Again, Sam, and uh, you know, even Fre Friends was a rom-com. Friends was a yeah. was a it was pure. I mean, I don't know how many permutations they had of each of them going out with each other, but mathematically. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot yeah. um, so uh, um, but also um, again I was just, I, I loved realism so it had to have a bit of everything in the office it had to have boredom romance it had to have everything it was a it was a it was a representation of real life and the office is because people are thrown together no one grows up and says I want to work in an office when I'm they just that, that's your job you you don't choose uh, can I choose the 25 people I work with no yeah. what are they like they're all cunts <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, backstage you were saying that um, you know you consume you are a consumer of good TV you do like I, a love I, I, I love telly I've always loved yeah. telly yeah what are you enjoying at the moment what stuff are you doing oh my god right so me and Jane, right? If we're coming to the end of a, uh, you know, a, a Scandi Noir, yeah. we start looking for three others. We go Netflix, Amazon Prime, Water Presents. We have people on the phone. You watch this, what was it? It's a Japanese thing about, okay, yeah, get it to me. Um, <laughs> and every night we watch one or two episodes of the best dramas around the world. I don't think I've switched on terrestrial TV for like five years. Maybe... I think I watched um what's the uh well, I watched football a bit. Um and uh I did watch uh what was it called? The um Succession? Right? No, um uh Claudia Winkleman. Oh, the traitors. Traitors, yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I went high yeah. for Luton, you got Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but I don't Oh it was brilliant. Yeah. I might I might get the chase at tea time, but Oh, I it love just, the chase. The chase is one of the best it's things great, on TV. It's great. Oh, yeah. But it just doesn't go on. If I, I, don't, I, I don't think I've watched anything in English for three years. <laughs> I don't watch anything American or network or BBC or ITV. So, so I, I think it started maybe, obviously, the, you know, the greatest ones of all time, Sopranos, Wire, The Bridge. That's what I mean, Descandi, Noir, and then The Killing. And then we went around the world and I was discovering things like Borgen and Spiral and... You know, things that have been out for 10 years, but really, and then I just, I was a consumer of like European drama. Then that, now it's spread a little bit to Asia. We watched a, uh, a thing a few weeks ago called, uh, oh, what was it called? 
um, oh god, it was a it was a Korean thing um, about two boxers anyway. And then the algorithm went mental on Netflix, so it could have given us. Korean shows, yes. and we we watched a great one called uh, "Burn the House Down." We watched a thing about a time travel thing. Um, so I'd just go around the world finding the best. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to sit in front of the city yeah. now and hope to find something. You can you can seek these things out. So, um, uh, what would I recommend this year? You know all the ones like. Gamora and Four Blocks. Yeah. And so the one I was surprised that you mentioned, because you did, because you, most of the stuff you watch, I know, is, is subtitled in front, is, was Midnight Mass, Mike Flanders. Because oh, that, that's a, quite a genre piece, quite a horror piece. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was Brilliant great, because yeah. um, I, I love the mood. I, at first, I thought, that priest is odd looking. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I like you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So some uh, oh that's what I just watched a what was the thing I just watched a a French thing and this this will sound weird it's about a a child murdering serial killing pedophile who gets put in a, a a monastery after he's done his time and I just thought that I wouldn't usually watch but someone's re- and I watched it and it was just it was compelling just watching this thing so um uh. Uh, but Midnight Mass was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. I thought it was great, and I do like I do like horror. There's so few good horror films. Yeah, you know, I, I, my favorite, one of my favorite uh, films is The Exorcist. was my favorite horror film, and uh, but then you want to get that back. And I watched one good horror film, probably the best horror film I've seen in five years, uh, Smile. Yes, uh, I just like the because yeah, it's really effective. It was all in her head. Yeah. It was just. I mean, the fucking smile. Someone's smiling at you is creepy anyway, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely, yeah. To a Londoner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To an unfriendly, don't come near me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I wanted to mention the short seven minutes that you directed, because oh, yeah. that seemed to come out of the blue. What was the story behind that? Um, uh, it was, a uh, well, um, my uh, assistant, uh, uh, Jonathan, he, he wants to be a writer, you know, he's, he's written stuff, and, I, and he... Uh, uh, he's always running things by me and everything, and uh, 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 and then he showed me the script for that, and I was jealous. I thought, what a great idea! Two people turn up, and they're both there for the same thing. And I said, and um, he said, oh, the BBC they're doing a director of new writers. I went, I'll make it for you. And uh, it was one day filming, one location, my ideal thing. I wasn't in it, yeah. so I didn't have to do my hair. Um, <laughs> we filmed it in one day, and I just. I kept the sort of direction distant and made it into a little play. And uh uh yeah, and it's um it's getting in all the festivals and uh and it was like it, it was a favour, but I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't great. Sure. Yeah. And it's it's I think it's really good, yeah. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's on iPlay, isn't it, if you have anyone? Yeah, it's on iPlay, yeah. Will you will you do more bollocks of your, your Sunday evening uh, Yeah, I will. Shots? Do you yeah. think and is, is the interesting for you is like it gets rid of the middleman, it gets rid of journalists for a start, and you just directly to your fans. Yeah, That's but quite it makes a unique the paper thing. from that. Like there's all things that were cropping up. Like I meant it. There was one thing. Someone said, um, uh, "What do you want to do for your funeral?" And I said, "I don't have a fucking funeral." I said, uh, "I said I want someone to fling me to the lions in London Zoo." <laughs> and I just started riffing. Like I just like like that. And all these tourists are going, "That fat naked bloke wasn't he in the office?" Like, uh, <laughs> And I, I said about like the two lions come over. It'd be like ladies in a tramp. They each get a testicle, and they're <laughs> they'd be really stringy by then. And they're just. Ju- I did all this. It was just I was yeah. like, in the paper, <laughs> like about a week later. 
Some of us had done... So a journalist had thought that was real. He'd phoned London Zoo, <laughs> right? No. And said, would this be allowed? <laughs> and they said, it definitely would not be allowed. And so the headline was, despite Ricky Gervais wanting to be... Um, his hopes to be thrown to the lions were dashed when they said this could not happen. Oh, it made me sound like a fucking maniac. <laughs> I did a tweet. I think it was yesterday. It's in the Standard today oh, and a God, few other yeah. papers. I said... Um, it was a stupid tweet, right? It was a picture of the sold-out hockey stadium in Toronto or somewhere. Yeah. So how obvious is this, right, as a joke? I said, I remember when I was eight years old, um, my, my old nana said to me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, an international superstar. She said, you're going to die in an underfunded hospital like your granddad, you ambitious little cunt, right? <laughs> The story is that my nan really said that to me. I think of my family going, she never said that. I go, no, she never fucking said it. It's a joke. <laughs> I love the fact your family. I remember, I remember the first time I had a, a glimpse of this. I think it was the, uh, one of the interviews, uh, first episode of The Office. I did a thing. I can't remember what it was. It was like, might have been Time Out or one of those things. And it was a, with a face-to-face -face with the journalist. And it was all... I wasn't, having, I wasn't enjoying it because it was so... I feared fame, mm. right, for a start. Mm. I didn't want to be that, you know, go through my bins and make me famous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it was quite frivolous, but I, uh, it was like, you know, uh, who do you want to be stuck in a lift with? I went... And they wanted me to say... Some, I said, my mate Glenn, he's got a toolbox, <laughs> right? <laughs> So it was, it was all stuff like that, yeah. right? Um, uh, and it's like, uh, you know, what's your favourite view? And, and she meant from the London Eye. And I said, never trust a man who doesn't drink. <laughs> right? And then she said, what would you do if, you, if your house is on fire and you had to save three things, what would you save? And I said, my cat, my salamander, and one of the twins. <laughs> right? <laughs> So they printed that with no irony. About six weeks later, I did an interview with a journalist and she said, first of all, what are your twins' names, <laughs> right? And I said, you think I've got twins and I'd save one of them? So it's like, well, I, I realised then that irony was going to be a yeah. slippery slope. Absolutely. Well, I hope there's no journalists in the audience who are going to take anything that you've said tonight out of context in that ridiculous way. Thank you so much. We've run out of time. I could talk oh, to you all night, my, obviously. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us, Ricky. Thank you. Thank you. Let's hear it for Ricky Gervais. Absolute legend. He is, however, not the only legend we have with us here tonight. So we're going to go straight into our second guest, who is a comedian and a podcaster in his own right. Wolf and Owl being the only podcast that makes Kay's weekly playlist. True story. Um, <laughs> he is the star of such comedy hits as King Gary, Plebs, and Murder in Successville. He did cast Boydie, 
as a kind of grumpy British tourist in the most recent series of The Curse, but we will not hold that against him. Uh, coming to the stage now, accompanied by our very own Kay Ribeiro, he is a towering figure, both literally and figuratively. It is Big Tom Davis! <laughs> So I was, I was fanboying Ricky uh, massively at the back there, sort of trembling because <laughs> I've never met Ricky before. Oh, that's really? like that's a man. Yeah, he's, he's been a big inspiration in my career, and it was this amazing thing. Just yeah, sorry, I, I was an ex <laughs> I was expecting to number one. I was really expected to sort of follow my idol on the stage. Uh, that's not yeah. Easy. Sorry about that. Is this like one of those? This could be a story of the Wolf and Our podcast, <laughs> can it? Where you're, yeah. you know you had to follow one of your idols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy. people love you as well. Um, yeah, hopefully. Um, but no, he, uh, no, it was, yeah, he, yeah. What, a, what a nice, what a So he was an influence on you? Massive it? influence, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. I, it, like, you know, we were, I was saying then to him, he was um, coming from like my background, there wasn't a lot of working class people doing what I do. There wasn't many people out there, especially doing it at sort of the level, you know, Ricky's sort of parents and background are very, very like mine, you know, and there wasn't, didn't seem there was many people you could aspire to be in to sort of give it some context, when he was doing the office, I was working on building sites, you know, I was, I was, I was laboring. So, you know, Ricky, and then I was obsessed with his, his stand-up and, and, and going to watch him. He was one of the few people you could go and watch with your mates and he felt like he was talking to the people in the audience uh, and especially us. So I think, he, yeah, man. And, and also as a comedy geek, he was the person I think who, you know, I think made us all up our level. I think without Ricky Gervais and The Office and, and uh, extras, I think that was a moment in our, for all of my generation that we all turned around and we knew that, you know, as someone who loved Curb and Seinfeld, um, these big American shows, The Office and, and Ricky's work was the stuff I think that, that made us all sort of aim, be a bit more aspirational of what we were doing. So yeah, I think, I think you, I certainly think he's, for all of us, he's been a massive, massive inspiration. But you're here to talk about Takeshi's Castle, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should, yeah. Partly. <laughs> yeah. We've, mean, we've seen it. Have yeah. you seen it? Yes. I've not seen it yet. Oh, it's, it's really funny. I think the technical, oh, I don't think this is on. Oh, this is James. No, you are. Oh, no, you now are. it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the technical term for Takeshi's Castle, I can't say the name, is uh, batshit crazy. Right? Yeah. It, it is yeah, mental. Yeah. It's mad, right? I, I, when, we, when we were asked to do it, it was one of those things, number one, I'd, I'd do anything with Ron. I, I think it was... It so was, we should say, this is the, the revival of Takeshi's yeah. Castle, which was a classic show years yeah. ago, Japanese, and you you and Ramesh Ranganathan, who from, yeah. we know from Wolf and that Wolf, yeah. narrate, you, and you kind of narrate along with the action. Commentate, yeah. Commentate, commentate yeah. So we um, we were given a chance to, yeah, go and, and... I've not watched it back. I've got no idea what it's going to be like. It was a lot of fun to... to Sit and watch. I'm surprised some of it got through the edit. Really? <laughs> no, as in like no, you're very, oh <laughs> no, no, like, no. Like, no just like, taking the piss out of the contestants and like it's it's funny. We're very early, like you know you're just having a, a chat and, yeah, and you yeah, forget yeah. that like I do a lot of the time. And I'm sorry if I offend any. Um, but uh, you're being recorded, so you're sitting there just just and it's a fucking mad show to watch. So there's moments that you're like speculating or talking about stuff, and and then you forget that. You know that, that it's it's being recorded. I don't know if any did any of the Mountain Dew stuff make it in. 
Which stuff? Mountain Dew, the, the drink Mountain Dew. I no, haven't seen, no, no, I haven't seen Mountain Dew. Probably legally, for episode. legal reasons, that probably taken out. Yeah. No, no, we, yeah, no, because I was obsessed and I kept on mentioning that it was sponsored because <laughs> of the green water. Through the whole thing, I was going, oh, you've got to remember as well, Takeshi's Castle, sponsored by Mountain Dew. And the second day that we got in, there was lawyers there from Amazon. And they were like, we can't have you mention Mountain Dew. Like, all the, it's, we're not allowed legally to say anything about it. And, uh, Womish looked at them and he went, you know that this isn't going to make him not say it. This is going to make him say it more. Yeah. And then yeah. they turned around and said, well, what if you just every time he mentions Mountain Dew, you turn around and say, oh, actually, no, it's not spontaneous. And he went, but that means I'm the fucking, <laughs> I'm the vibe killer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I say, yeah, I've got no, I, it was one of the most fun things. I was obsessed with that show as well back in the day. Yeah. It was great hangover TV, right? Yeah. And, um, but it is yeah. just basically you and Rom, like as in the Wolf and Out. If anyone, we, we are the biggest fans of the Wolf and Out podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we consider ourselves to be among the yeah, biggest fans. Yeah, you, you, you've, you've been there since <laughs> day one. He's got a restraining order. That's yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> but the, that vibe comes through pretty quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. When you're watching it's the It's like show. listening to an episode. It's really fun. Yeah. yeah. Unfiltered. Yeah, but I think it's, you know, listening to Ricky earlier, I think that's what, I think, I think the comedy, I think that's what it should be. I think that is, like, I think I, when it comes to stand up or whatever you're doing, trying to be as, you as you can be and not try to try so hard to sort of, I think it, it was just us having a conversation. It was what the Wolf and Hour is. That was just our conversations we were having on the phone, taking onto a podcast. And I think it's, I think if you try too hard to, to make it funny, people sort of see, see that sometimes. And I think it's quite nice to just, yeah. Like I say, I've got no idea what <laughs> makes it in. Uh, when we were doing it, I was like, I, I, I lose myself. I, I'm more having fun taking a piss and winding up Ramesh. Cool. So that sometimes I forget that actually, oh shit, this is going to go out on TV. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see what it's like. There's a brilliant bit where you, if football fans might know, where you talk about you do the Martin Tyler impression of it's live. Yeah. You know, when he says it's, when he used to, and, and, and Robert just said it's not live. <laughs> that was my favourite bit. Anyway, that's just me. Um, what was the key when you, when you did, um, going back to Merging Successful, which was yeah. your first big thing. That was such a kind of wacky idea and complicated idea. I remember mm. thinking, like, was, do you think that was what helped it get made and helped it kind of be such a kind of cult phenomenon? It was, so, it was there never been anything like that before. Really. Uh, yeah, I think it was, um, we were talking about this the other day because we were talking about the American version and it, I think it was um, the sort of perfect, the perfect storm. I, 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 we, you know, I, I had left my agent of the, the, who I'd been with before like I was in quite a lot of financial problems. Me and my wife, my now wife had just got together. We had to go and live with my mum and dad. So it was the first thing really that I'd ever been offered to do as a lead. And I'd, I'd been created, I was creating sort of, and, and uh, but then I was also really conscious that up until then, I'd done a few things that hadn't quite hit. And I was sort of thinking this, this could almost be the last sort of chance that I get to show what, show what I could do as a comedian and what I could potentially do as someone, as a show creator. And I think that the thing for me was I was so like the the, the effort and the lot everything it became it took over my life for sort of three years to make that the show it became, and the same to be said for James DeFond. It was sort of for the two of us. We were both sort of it was our only real chance. And, and again, going back to sort of like talking about Ricky and people, I think like coming from where I I, I still think it was only really since Amanda took over my, as PR and we started chatting to her about it and to be someone who was at 32 still working on building science and still just started there, started stand up. So then 
the chances of actually ever getting to a point when you've won BAFTAs and things and, and, and you know, subsequently the career I've had, that's when you, you start looking at it now and going, fucking hell, at the time you're caught in it, you don't really think about it. But that, when I look at it then, I was like, I was used to, get, I'd, I'd been working on building sites since 15. So hard work never bothered me. I think that's a massive part of what we do. You have to work hard and, you know, Ricky's at a different station's career, but you know, you have to graft. I have to, you know, to get where I'm, I am now. And that show was, I, I put everything I had into it and, and it was crazy. It was mad. It was, it was still, and I, as long as I may be in this business, it will still probably be the thing that I adore the most that I'll ever do and, and I've ever made just because it was just everything that I'd not just learned within comedy, but in life, the sort of, you know, the, the, the stuff you do with the guests and stuff. And I, I find it quite emotional talking about now looking at, you know, what, what were we like nearly six, seven years after it? And, and it, it was, yeah, it, but I think the craziness and the sort of madness was just, um, I think it sort of, yeah, I don't know, it never felt as mad when you were part of it. Mm. But also when you look back now, you think what an incredible thing that someone took a chance on, on, on a show like that, that mm. sort of had no script and, <laughs> <laughs> was all just down to the fact that you're going to get someone who's going to come on and you're going to have this wide, wild road, like road that you take them on and you're just going to hope that Deborah Meaden or Jamie Lang or Greg James find it funny and they're, they're going to go along with it. That was literally the show. And that's yeah. fucking insane when you look at it. But it worked. Yeah, yeah, thank God. We've got to talk about the curse. And more importantly, we've got to talk about Boyd's cameo. Yes. Now, as an esteemed actor, Tom, I need you to just rate it and kind of just review it. How did he do? I, I mean, it was a one shot that we all knew that we'd made the edit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, incredible. I thought, yeah, I thought you gave a great response. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, I thought, yeah. Did you not make it about me, though. Listen, did you keep the espadrilles? Uh, no, I think I'd give everything back to wardrobe. Yeah. You have to give everything back, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 They're, they're very, yeah, we're very yeah. tight on that on any of my productions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're searched as you leave the premises. <laughs> You said um, you said that the third series is going to be the last one. Is that something that you guys all agreed with beforehand? I think, like, I think you... so. I mean, it's, it's a difficult one at the moment. I think channel. I mean, I don't want to get too much into. I think Channel Four is in such a sort of weird place at the moment. I think we're sort of sitting and waiting and seeing what happens there. And it might, I, yeah, it might have to take a bit of a hiatus. I think there's a world that, we're, yeah, I think it's such a strange place. And and also it's it's a. TV's, a, you know, it's, a, it's again, it's like, I don't want to keep taking this back to Ricky, but it's a, it's a strange thing when you listen to and you listen to Ricky talk and you sort of, I, th I think we're, we're all very keen to close the story, but then there's so much power that's not with you as a program maker. There's so, so much stuff when you're writing and you're developing something. So for us, I think we're, we're sort of kind of sitting and waiting and seeing what comes back. And, and I don't think because the idea has always been, it would be 10 years on. Mm. So there's an idea that actually waiting a couple of years for it to sort of to do it might might work for us, but I think it's um it's it's a really strange thing. It's it's your sort of um yeah I've again like listening to Ricky talk about you and we don't you know but it's worth saying I think as someone who came from where I come from I think the first thing I did was a program called Warm Up Guy and, and I was just saying backstage I remember when you put it in Heat magazine. Like my mum still got that copy of Heat oh, Magazine. Well. And I think it's like, but what you learn very quickly in this industry is that I remember when that went out and you gave it pick of the week. And I think it was, it sort of got quite a lot of, it did quite well sort of within the industry. And everyone thought, oh, this is going to go to a series. And then Shane Allen left Channel 4. And 
Oh, it's it, all about executives moving yeah, around. Yeah, and, and, and then it's the new person who came in was like, yeah. oh, I'm not really into this. And you learn like that. You go bang, okay, this, it doesn't matter how well it's been reviewed or how, if that isn't down to someone's taste, and, and that's fair enough and whatever that is. But you learn thick, to be thick-skinned then, but you also learn that however good you make something and however brilliant something is. We had it for three years in Murder and Successful. It was, it was really like every time it was like, wow, someone else is coming in. And... You, you know, you, you sort of, your bum goes, but you're like, oh shit, is this person going to like this pro? Because, you know, that's insane and, and it's a mad thing. But you also learn to, that in life, it's, it's never going to be the, it's not going to be the end of the world. If, it, if I think if you treat it as a personal slight, if you treat it as sort of like any kind of animosity being shown to you, then I, and I think that goes for anything in life. I think if you can be as level-headed about it as you possibly can, but um, yeah, I mean, I've gone on a massive tangent here. But yeah, to answer <laughs> so, your question, uh, yeah, I mean, the third series would be would be it. But we'll, we'd we'll love to it. see that character again, just mainly for his voice. <laughs> oh my God. one of the great comedy voices in TV history. I'm Thank not exaggerating. You. Yeah, it's. Um, did you? Yeah. Where did that come from? And did you regret it at any point? Because then you having to do that while no, like, not coursing. You know what? I'd done Gary for four years, and Gary was never saying that I intended on do. I always wanted to do Sleet and Action Team and, and stuff that we're developing now, and you know. Uh, Paddington or whatever I always wanted to play characters so Gary was out of nowhere and it was a slight like with Gary it's like sort of more Essex trying to how he talked but not with America was always <laughs> they are doing that voice and it was for a guy that I'd, I'd known from the pubs and like <laughs> who talked like that and everything he talked about was bullshit I don't even know what I'm doing here I have no idea um, it was a yeah it was, a, it was so much fun to yeah, I think when that. you meet someone who has a, such a weird, bizarre voice, it is quite interesting. It's quite, it's kind of something fascinating about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but there's the sort of thing of like, it's it, like I, I never found him that like he. So that, I don't know. I've told this story, but he. I always remember like being in a pub with him and him talking about <laughs> he'd done a robbery on a bookers in Range Park, and I basically come out of bookers, I jump in a van, and I start driving away. I come to a bridge, I drive under the bridge, but the van is too big to go through the bridge. So I sit there and I'm stuck under the, van, under the bridge in the van. And then I hear the sirens coming and I think, you're done here. You're going to do a stretch. And I said, why didn't you just get out of the van? <laughs> and he went, I didn't think of that. <laughs> Could have done you haven't you there at the time. And it was, but I, 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 and you never, again, it's like, in everything that I try and do, is always trying to think about in stand-up and whatever I'm doing. It's, it's, that's, that's my schooling. That's where I learn yeah. everything I, I've learned is real life and real people. Yeah. You're also an in-demand actor, though. Like, you, you offered, like you're in Wonka coming up. Yeah. yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah. What was that like? Timothy Chalamet and an incredible cast of people. Um, that Olivia was Coleman, you got all Olivia great Coleman. Yeah, Olivia's like one of the most incredible human beings I've ever met in my life. <laughs> yeah, it makes you, man. Again, it's pinch yourself, isn't it? You, you sort of, you turn up and you, you yeah, you're Timothy Chamberlain, you sort of sitting in, you, he's like, hey man, what are you doing at lunch? And you're like, I'm just going to play championship manager. And he's like, oh really? What? I like football. And then next thing I know, it's like him coming up and going, I just got championship manager, man. Um, who are you signing? And I'd like, sit with, with Timothy Chamberlain and uh, chatting about who I've been signing on a championship manager. And uh, yeah, like, I, I, I think there's, like, I found him like, I think the first day that we, um, we were filming together, we were filming in Bath and like he came out of his trailer and there was just like, just a sea of people just like shouting, like they come from around the world just screaming. Mm -hmm. And I think Greg James at the time was doing a whole thing about where are they filming Wonka? 
And I said to him, God, man, it's mad. That's like fucking insane that like people just cheer at you. Like, and he's like, that's life, right? I was like, that's your life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is he joining your family? people ever shout at me in the street like that, I'll be walking down. Someone I know in a white van will go past and go, Davis, you wanker. That's about, uh, that's Is Timothy Chalamet joining your fantasy league? Is that what you're no. He'd be great. At it. He knows, like, yeah. Is he? Obviously, yeah. It's, it's like, I'm, a, well, you know, I'm obsessed with football. So, yeah. um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we, um, yeah. I, I, you know what? I've, I've, I found him like, and Olivia. It was a really, like, incredible thing to be a part of. I think Paul King is like one of the most. Just he's doing um, Paddington and Paddington Two. Was yeah, George. Paddington, Paddington Fantastic. Two, and, and, and I'm forever indebted to him because so Paddington Two was. Like he he reached out and he was like, look, there's a part. So it was really the the part when I first read it was like two lines in Paddington too, and then we did um, workshops and it just grew and grew. And then we came back and 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 there was stuff in Paddington too that we didn't reach it, and it was a really amazing thing. And like now I'm, I, I sit and think, oh fucking hell, maybe I got all my luck there with Wonka. Uh, I'll be cut out of. Um, but um, you're in the trade; they can't cut you out. Yeah, no, 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 no. But yeah. that might be it. Um, no, no, no. But no, no, it's. Um, it's it, it genuinely is. It's like I I, I was, I, I yeah I, I I try and always just think back to to that first ever gig above a pub in Tuffnell Park, and I always just think I had no aspirations of really anything above that gig. I never ever sat there and thought, oh you know, films or TV or whatever else has transpired. It was just always like I, I was in a place in my life where I just had. I sort of was quite low and I thought I hadn't really got much. I was still doing the same thing I was doing at 15. I, I thought, so I never sort of had any aspirations of this going anywhere really. And actually as, as those small moments come and things start to develop and you start to sort of be doing more and more stuff. And, and I think it's always worth just, just checking it and just going, wow, that's pretty amazing. That's mm -hmm. like, you know, and, and I think as much as you can, is enjoying yourselves and giving yourself a little pat on the back for, for, for those moments. And I think when, when with Wonka, when you're sort of going in that first day of filming and you know that you're with an Oscar nominee and an Oscar winner and you're a shit kicker who was like, you know, only 10 years before, like lumping up bricks for you've someone. Got, you've got yeah. BAFTA. Yeah. yeah. Lest <laughs> yeah, we forget. But, but you still are like, that, that is, is amazing, a moment yeah. and it's yeah. worth registering Kay. and going, yeah. Kate said, who are you playing in the end? I, I, um, who am I playing? Uh, I, I don't think we're allowed to say I think it's under embargo. I'm terrible at this. I if I had that two points, I'll tell you. I've recited <laughs> the whole find script out in the for bar everyone. Later. Um, but no, I think it's, yeah. Um, uh, fair enough. Don't I'm not too sure how much I'm, I'm allowed to say. But okay. yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. playing someone. All right. uh, <laughs> someone that narrows it down. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's fine. We want to talk to you about Bake Off now yeah. because obviously you were in the Hallow 10. I wanted yes. to find out how nervous you were beforehand. Uh, and if you, I can't remember if you got Hollywood. Also, your handshake. lineup was incredible. Yeah. You had yeah. Jesse Nelson from Little Mix, yeah, yeah. Rose Matafeo, who's yeah, brilliant, she's Stasha, incredible. and yeah. David Schwimmer. The David yeah. I mean, Schwimmer. that is a great lineup. Yeah, it was an amazing lineup. Yeah. Um, so, on the run up to it, my wife is one of my wife is in, like, because my wife used to bake a lot, and we're both big fans of the show. But I was also obsessed with golf. At the time, so I get obsessed with things. So I was playing obsessed golf. With golf. Yeah, I'm still yeah. obsessed with golf now. But I was playing golf far too much, <laughs> and my wife was like, "Are you not going to practice for the Bake Off?" And I was like, "I'm not going to win anyway. There's no point um, in practicing too much. I think I'll just wing it." Um, and uh, which, you know, when you watch it back, uh, <laughs> I'm clearly doing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's you know, on the run up to it, I wasn't too nervous. But actually, once you get there, and then you 
you sort of, you're like, oh shit, I'm about to go into the tent. But then you meet David Schwimmer, who's taking it so seriously. seriously. You go, actually, he seems like he's got enough nerves for the rest of us. <laughs> um, uh, and I adore David. I've, I've got to the guy, I was lucky enough to get to him a bit during that. And he's a really lovely man. But he was, he was so... He had so much pressure he put on himself. He was like Messi trying to win the World Cup. <laughs> was like, I was like, all right, I can, I can just, anything here is good. And do you know what? At the, at the end with the toilet meringue, I don't know, like when I watched it back, but because he, he'd smashed the first two, but his showstopper didn't go particularly well. And my meringues were absolutely out of complete luck. And I've tried literally today to recreate it. And it's fucking absolutely turned to the toilet, um, which is a great, uh, <laughs> but uh, my meringue was incredible. Like so, when Prue and Paul uh, tasted it, they were like, "Wow, that's 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 like incredible." Yeah. And then someone said, "It's actually going to be closer than we think." And Schwimmer just looked like that, man. <laughs> and uh, I just thought for a minute, "Fuck, you know, I could win Bake Off here." Yeah? <laughs> like imagine, dream, like, you know, and dream. then I started getting a little bit. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, you I'm know how running. competitive Ross is. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, but he was, yeah. I mean. I'd have felt because I think Rose actually was pretty amazing. Mm. Jessie was awful, but yeah. I'd say yeah. had an absolute blast for two days and yeah. a real laugh of her. She was a real, such a lovely girl. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she, I think just, yeah, she was. For a, the record, Tom, can I ask you, do you think practicing is cheating? Because we've had this debate with James, right? Yeah, you know, we've done our own bake off. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he's getting all aggy with us. Myself and James have baked something today, yeah. which we're going to get you to judge and, and a guy who I'll bring up in a minute. Um, but yeah, but James thought us practicing our bakes yeah. was cheating. But you have to practice. You got very you? aggressive. Well, I didn't practice, and yeah. uh, uh, I don't think it's cheating. I, 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 I think like I think you can practice a showstopper, but I think why the fuck would you want to? <laughs> That's a good. Point. Trust me, there's nothing yeah. showstopper about what we do. Yeah, it's more fun to just. No, no, yeah. but also no. I think like so like I come from a place like my whole life has been built up of being shit at stuff. <laughs> I don't need a practice. I'm not, my main hobby is something I'm fucking awful at uh, in golf. But I look. I thought I could to practice to be good at this. I'd have to take two weeks out, which right. David Schwimmer did instead. Um, so I, in my head, thought I'm not. I'm, I'm, I've not got. I'm not that invested in it being ama that amazing. Mm. Also, I thought it's not gonna. Shocked. It's not going to be that moment. Number one, I'm going to become so amazing to win this thing. But also, I think everyone watching it, I think the thing that really annoyed me was the fact that I didn't season a pie. And I eat a lot of them. And the fact that I didn't put any salt on pepper. That's yeah, That's the one bit that I think when I go and meet my maker, you know, such thing. Yeah, and he turns around and goes, You've got big regrets. Yeah, not putting salt in that pie was a bit of a fucking. As well, amazing. Well, we are going to have our little Bake Off. I'm thing excited now, about this. I'm going to, I'd like to bring on from Craig Bakes, Craig Barton. Craig, I don't know where Craig, oh, there he is. Yeah. And I think if, if um, we can bring on the cakes and the whole James thing. James is going to be like Debbie McGee and bring it on. Um, there we are, they're bringing it on now. Hi, Craig. Um, in, in the, while they're doing this, I have to ask you though, Whatever happens with the curse search, have you got something else you're working on at the moment, Phil? Yeah, yeah, we, we've got we've got a couple of things. We've got um, your Christmas on mine too, which is a film that comes out that we make as, as a company. My production company makes that. We did your Christmas on mine with Ace Butterfield, Danny Mays. So the first one has come out on Amazon. So we've got a second one, and um, yeah, we're writing a we're writing our me and James are writing our first sort of drama, oh, wow. which is a uh, it's sort of dark comedy, but yeah, it's our first. Which I can't really get too much into, but it's, um, yeah, it's sort of, 
I guess it, yeah, it's sort of kind of falling down. It's kind of like, yeah, it's our oh, first sort I mean, of Falling down with Michael Douglas? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's our first and you're going to make play like a character who is going through a... Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, so going through a bit. Great. So it's kind of our first sort of look at that sort of, yeah, right. our first drama. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Um, less importantly, wow. the <laughs> Less importantly, the cake. So for anyone wondering what the hell we're doing at the moment, which is a legitimate question. So this came about because Boydie, twat that he is, refused to bake us his famous... Boydy blondies, and to compound this was then awfully snooty about these spongy, fruity cakes that I bought for the podcast. So now we have a thing where he and I and Kay have baked these following things. Craig, stay behind. So we're gonna we're gonna reveal who baked what. It is a blind taste test. Wow. So the question I've got to see this is like. The thing I'm going to ask, so, so to both of you, like, what, what are you going to be judging this on? Is it consistency? Is it taste? Is it presentation? It's like, all about taste, isn't it? It's all about the taste. Yeah, it's all about taste. Okay. Do you know what? how many times I've been absolutely heartbroken when I've walked past? There's a, I don't know if you've ever been here, people, uh, people of London. There's a, is it called Ian L Bakery in Soho? It's like all pink. It looks yes. incredible. Yes. You walk past. Fantastic. The cakes look incredible in the window. Yeah. But they taste like old sawdust when you get in there. They're absolutely... <laughs> And also, I'm about to say, if the, the front of the restaurant, I, I took my little girl there. It was a big moment. I thought, this is going to be incredible. I bowled in here. Like, I've walked past it a few times and I'll go through it. So it's like, you know, great, great place to take her. Number one, they stuck us out in the back next to the toilets, <laughs> which was sort of like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. No, it wasn't a good sign at all. Um, and then when the cakes came, I was like, they looked incredible. They looked beautiful. But actually, I'd have, I'd have given me right, right arm for my nan's. Ropey old yeah. rock, rock I know bands. what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's I'm, never I'm about feeling pressure now, really. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. never about presentation for me. It's all about Good taste. You never well, hear that, so it's refreshing. Yeah. What's yeah. your favourite type of cake, Tom? Uh, I am very boring. I like a Victoria sponge. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like that would have been good sponge. to know before tonight, <laughs> yeah. but that's fine. Yeah. Craig, uh, what, I like a Rocky Road. I, I, okay, I can, that's yeah, good. That's yeah, good. We can work with that. Craig, what's your favourite type of cake? I'm a bit biased because I make them myself, but I'd have to say carrot cake. Carrot cake. Carrot cake. Oh. Carrot cake. Oh. Yeah. Controversial oh. choice. No, yeah. no one should no. put a vegetable in a cake. Yeah. <sighs> well, all right. Yeah. I've got to say, <laughs> this is already going badly. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. All right, guys, guys, come up to the table. Come up to the table. Well, no, 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 hang on. Oh hang on. You can't do it, boy. I understand how this works. So, so can't say. Start, start from this side. If you okay. both would like so to join us, some of them have got okay. Exhibit A, which What's is this one. Is this a this a? Well, this this is this is a spare cake for later. Um, oh wow. Okay. Oh wow. So these are cookies. Yeah. These look amazing. So, so pretty good. Yeah. Are nice and soft. Oh wow. Good in the middle. You know how they say that like visual mediums don't really work on podcasts. <laughs> How does taste work? Mm. That's a good cookie. Mm. Is it, is it, is What's it, nice for the audience is I was holding the mic so close <laughs> to my mouth. <laughs> Everyone in the audience going, oh, it sounds nice. <laughs> so is it, is it... Voice from his... Uh... <laughs> How's the consistency? Is it, is it properly cooked? Yeah. Okay, say good so. um, It's gooey. Mm. It tastes good. Um, it's a bit I've got chlorine. I like that though. Sorry. I, I, like a, I like a cookie that sort of sticks in the back of your teeth and you can say something. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> you know what? I didn't ask. Do either of you have any allergies? Like, you know. Oh, shit. I'm allergic I to nuts. Nuts. <laughs> Gluten. Cats. I don't know. Um, like, well, there's not any cats in it, is it? <laughs> <laughs> if, if you have a cat allergy, avoid the second one. That's what I'm going to say. 
Oh, it's good. I think that, okay. if I was to buy that in a bakery, sit down with a cold Coke or a hot chocolate, you'd be happy. I'd be over the moon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. Now, really good. Exhibit two. You have the option of cream or no cream. Cream or no cream. It's difficult because the person's brought cream, so I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, it'd be rude not to, wouldn't it? Really. Yeah. I mean. But is it, it going to be a mess? Like, oh, make as much right? of a mess as you want. Sorry, okay. King's Place. I mean, you could just dip it in. Maybe like do a bit of like, yeah. You're going to dunk it. Yeah, dunk it in the cream. Is that a thick? Yeah, double cream into it. Yeah. 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 Or pour it over. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not the boys in any way invested in this. <laughs> oh. 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 oh, 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 that's it's not a good sign. It's <laughs> Oh, wow. So what is it? So this is a brownie, and what, what, are we, what type of brownie is this? Greg, you're an expert. Yeah, it looks like a, some sort of berry cheesecake brownie. Mm, it's good. It's got a marbled thing on the a top marble. as well. Very nice. It's, it's someone's gone to great length to make this. Yeah. Well, it's sort of 60% of it look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit biased because I make brownies as my, my job. So you're just thinking amateur at yeah. this point? Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, yeah. Sorry. No, you've not come to mess around. I'm doing my Paul Hollywood right now. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, nice. Taste right, nice. I, I found them to be delicious. Okay, good. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah, I very much enjoyed and them. Average. Okay, average. Good. Yeah. Okay. Not as good as. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I do feel bad. There's a part of me wants to go back and have a bit more of the mm, cookie. You um, might, might need a yeah, knife for yeah. this one. Is this carrot? That Isn't it carrot cake. I couldn't possibly say. I've no idea. I've like, got to say. Um, do you want to do the cutting? Are you doing? You, no, you do. You oh, do I did the cutting. Okay. I'm. Uh, I'm not a big fan of carrots. There's no carrots in this cake. Right. I can exclusively reveal I've got that. I to say that. Oh yeah. yeah nice. Should we? Should we show this? Should we just lift yeah, this up? up? So for a visual medium, before we cut it, before we cut it, let us. Let us. Not that I'm in any way invested in this one. This is. This is this one. It's quite interesting, isn't it? That's the only one that he's shown. Whoever did that one clearly put a lot of effort into it. That's all I'm saying. There's a lot now resting on this for you. Me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, you did say there's no carrot in it. Like, how would you know? I, I smelled it. Oh, this is a nice. Yeah, it looks nice. It's that it's a good type, thing. This is the sort of thing that, you know, I'd happily, if I was at a kid's party. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I will wrap some up in, in no, a, like no, a napkin for you so you can take it home. Kids you party, there was sort of like yeah. just shouting kids. Yeah. And then I look around and saw this is a cake. I go, well, it's not too bad of a day. <laughs> You've bought that in a shop. That, that <laughs> tastes really, really good. It's like a lemon. Lemon. It, it is really lemon. Nice. Yeah, it's got a, yeah. I don't think you just, there's no mystery left. <laughs> I wonder whose these are then. This is the best. Yeah, this is the best. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, no, that's interesting. Tom, do you agree? No. Oh, oh no. dissenting no, voice. No, I think it's good, but. Um, What's your favourite song? I've got to say the cookie, I think it's absolutely incredible. God. No offence, I know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, if I was going to be biased, and you know how much I adore you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to, I have to take this as a culinary thing. Oh, completely. I respect <laughs> um, that. And uh, yeah, there's, there's no going past. I, I genuinely think this is lovely. Mm. But that. Could... Okay. <laughs> and also, my outside, I'm going to but... throw this out there. The absolute air of dignity <laughs> that the person who baked the cookie had. <laughs> Not to uh, not to sort of show or curry any favour to the yeah. fact it was theirs. <laughs> Simply quietly took themselves good away to another side of the stage. 
They want to push, they want to shout. They knew that the Nutella feeling would do its work. Um, yeah, um, the cookie, I thought, was outstanding. Good, good. Well, we can now exclusively Wait, is reveal. Is it a unanimous vote, though? I'm happy to go with the cookies. Yeah, the cookies yes. are very good as well. So yeah. Is this bad, by the way? Just no, no, no. Like so, no go for it. There's a napkin here, Tom. Honestly, you can have it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say. I mean, it feels that you've. Got, I, I feel that we should get a member of the audience up. Yeah. That you are going lemon. Do, do we need a tiebreaker? Is what you're saying? I think we, we need a tiebreaker. Do you know what? No, do you know what? Tom decided. No, steady. It's like no. Steady. No, I'm going, yeah, I'm going lemon. I'm sorry, I've got okay, to go okay, lemon. Look, so we have. We, we decide. Need a tiebreaker. Okay. All right, this is all getting Pray quite quite stressful. Is there anyone here near with well, no, no allergies? I'm going to say yes. So so That's is Remy in the house? Is Remy here? Remy Corker. Where is Remy? Remy. Come up here. Wow, so, Remy. Oh, God. It's Remy's Remy. 16th birthday on Tuesday. Oh, no, I, I know this for a fact. He's this not going to be awful if he picks you uh, He's also oh, yeah. come 400 yeah. miles to be here. Please round of applause for Remy. Oh, good day. Good. Now, Remy. No don't, pressure here. Don't pick the middle one, because that's going to make it really confusing. Try the small and not very nice looking cookie first. Go on, go on. <laughs> Open mindedly eat this. See how you feel. Close your eyes. You're not allergic to anything. If you die on stage, my liability is just fucked. Okay, good. Good cookie, right? Yeah, good yeah, cookie. Good, good cookie. cookie Put that cookie down! <laughs> now! Right. Brownie. Oh, he's going to go for the brownie as well. No cream. No messing about. Just straight in there. Good. Good. There's a nod. He doesn't That's say a nod. nod. He's just like not giving no, anything he's, away. He's, he's yeah, business. He's All very, business. Yeah. Straight to the point. Yeah. Okay. And now the brilliant lemon cake. <laughs> Don't be swayed, by the way. You can have a like spit it out if you want. Okay, now no pressure, but yours is the deciding vote. Which which one? Cookie. Cookie, yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Remy, thank you very much. Now, Remy, I should say you are going to study film and media studies, aren't you? You are going on to study film and media studies. This is your oh, well. start on your course in September. So good luck with your course. And remember, Where are you studying if you don't mind me asking? Oh cool, cool. All right. If you ever want any advice, you know where I am. No, good when luck. Seriously. Yeah, no, no. Get in touch. <laughs> when they ask me your favourite TV show is, it's The Expanse. Thank you very much. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank right. You. What are we doing now? Are we sitting here? Thanks so much. That was <laughs> Kay's moment of triumph. Come and be smug. Come on. Speech. 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 Oh, my gosh. i got to tell you that um, the funny thing about this, and I wasn't, like, buttering Tom up behind the stage, uh, behind the scenes, which I sort of was, but... What happened was I um, baked these this morning and I'd baked them last week and I'd give them to a friend and she tasted them. She said, they're really nice. They're just a bit big. And if I'm honest, if I finish them all, I'd get diabetes. So I was like, okay, that's not great feedback. <laughs> I made them this morning and I reduced the quantities just randomly. And um, they were so hard. I've got them back there. I mean, you could use them as a weapon of fear. They're so hard and shit that I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't bear it. So... At four o'clock, I was on the platform of the station, ready to get the train. I texted these guys and I said, do I need to be here that early? And they were like, no, no, you can come an hour later. I went home and I rebaked. And You're these wow. are the cookies. What <laughs> time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boy, it up. would be a miss of me. Uh, and I know you're a fan in uh, remiss. Um, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about him, yeah. no, Tom. Absolutely. You've got your new favourites. No, no, no. You have to judge on taste and not, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well... That was the bake-off. We have all of these. Uh, like I say, when we do the interval, you can come and have some. My, my trial cake, my, my sort of dry run is also on the table. <laughs> Eat that at your fucking own risk. Uh, 
But honestly, thanks very much to Craig from craybakes.co.uk. Order a muffin, you won't be disappointed. And Big Tom Davis. We hope you enjoyed the cakes, Tom. The toilet is just down there on the right, if you need it. We are not quite done with this particular half of the show, however. We do, however, have more guests. Not one, but two, in fact. Uh, they are a pair of extremely talented brothers. Thank you. Please don't drop the cakes. <laughs> or do. You know, it's fine. Um, one of them is an actor you will know from his roles in the likes of Station Eleven and 1917, The Accident and Informer. Uh, the other is a comedian and actor you'll know for the likes of uh, Two Weeks to Live and a writer who's worked on sex education and the upcoming Juice starring friend of the pod, Russell Tovey. Uh, so please do give a big warm welcome to Naban and Mawan Rizwan. One, two, one, two. Thank you. Thank you for waiting for the Bake Off to end. Moan, you, of course, you did Bake Off as well. Yeah, I did Bake Off. So I am going to need to eat some and judge it. I can totally have some. Yeah, yeah we'd right. like to yeah. try some. Yeah, you can both have, some, have as much cake as you want. Particularly, I would recommend the blackberry and um, cheesecake okay. brownies. Sorry, that guys. were cruelly robbed nice. of a victory. Yeah. My cakes on Bake Off tasted like shit. I just want to say for the record. Yeah. Who were you on with? Remind um, Ellie Golden. Yeah. Yeah. She obviously practiced before she came on the show. So that yeah. was obviously not fair. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they did taste like shit, but they looked amazing. So. That's the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's not why I'm here. I just am yeah, no, 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 still no. really bitter. No. no. <laughs> One of the reasons you're here is to talk about Juice, which is your new um, show that you've written and you star in and you both star in it and you play brothers and your mum's in it as well, yeah. which is extraordinary. And she's brilliant as well. I mean, where did the whole... It's based on your kind of stand-up to some extent, isn't it? But what was the origin of the whole thing? Yeah, it started out as a show in, uh, at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, I've been pitching TV shows for a long time. And when it, when it happens and stars align, it just happens. And then, and then this one got off the ground and... And uh, yeah, and then there's a brother character and there's a mum character and we auditioned a lot of people around the world and it sadly came down to Naban having to play it. You know, it wasn't a choice, was it? It was just availability. I was, I was lucky to be picked. Is this thing on? They didn't put his mic on, great. No, right, yeah. <laughs> Just like I requested. Have to project. <laughs> Is your mic definitely not on now? Do I have to? No. Do I have to do something? I mean, you shouldn't have to, no. Can we have another mic? One, two. One. Oh, oh, thank God live. for that. We're live. Did you, did you have any qualms about taking this role as the brother of your real life brother? I was fortunate to be offered employment, <laughs> um, I would say. So I'm glad I got the call. That's I did you a got, full Donald Trump, basically. I had my entire family. It's really bad. But, you know, they do happen, happen to be very... Um, I wrote a thing and I was like, right, this is what I think of you. Can you please play it? And actually it was quite insulting. And you were very good at being like, uh, no, this is, this is quite two-dimensional and shit. And then you made your own thing and it was actually really annoyingly good. He's annoyingly, he's very good, yeah. I mean, you are, you are a very... Uh, now, you're an experienced and highly acclaimed actor. I mean, you're in Station Eleven. I think that was a huge show. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Yes. yes. Thank, one plus, thank you. <laughs> but they all clapped. 
Yeah, I mean, they all clapped, yeah. What did you make? Is the character, is Naban's character close to his real-life character as his brother, or did you change it a lot? <laughs> so, like, back in the day, like the first draft I thought was really close. Yeah. You read it and you were like, is this who you think I am? Um, so apparently it wasn't. Okay. Um, and then the, the whole thing really kind of, like, just, like, took off into its own little fictional joyride of a thing and I kind of it would been a, it would have been a shame to like try and keep it tied down to its first draft and where it came from so I kind of just let my mom and you um and Russell Tovey who plays um guy the character guy when they started doing their own thing and it started becoming its own thing and in rehearsals I was like oh this is way more exciting I kind of just just went with it really yeah so it's become its own thing I was going to say, how did you choose the incredibly handsome Russell Tovey to be your uh, boyfriend in the show? Well, it, the whole thing was just a ploy to kiss him. Yes. Um, <laughs> I cannot believe uh, taxpayers' money paid for that, to be honest. Uh, but that's, uh, you laugh, you paid for it, guys. Um, but, you know, the, I like, he, coincidentally, he came to the Edinburgh Fringe show. Oh, wow. Um, randomly, halfway through the run, the show was getting a bit of a buzz and then like celebrities started coming. And then I was like, halfway through the show, I actually forgot what I was saying, like the whole bit I was doing because I was just like, oh my God, it's the guy from him and her. Um, and then he really enjoyed the show and then he came up to me after the show backstage and he was like, that sounds amazing, the boyfriend character and it sounds really fun. And then like cut to four years later, he's, he's in the TV version of it. Because when we were casting, I realized he follows me on Twitter because of uh, coming to the show. Right. So I messaged him and being like, this is beneath you probably, Mr. Tovey. But <laughs> is that how the script. casting works? Let me just, so this is how casting No, casting, well, you go through agents yeah. um, unless they, they follow you on Twitter and then you disrespect yeah. all boundaries and just say, yo, what are you saying? You want to read the script? Yeah. And that's what I did. And what was it like for you, Nabon, to act with your mum? Because you should say your mum. And she's, she's, she's an actress, isn't she? She's acted before. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I mean, the whole thing of, like, your kids are meant to be, like, surpass you and be better than you. Yeah. Yeah, she definitely disproved that. I mean, she's incredible. Yeah. Um, it was a little weird turning up to work and your mum and your brother are there. Um, but I think once we got over that, it was, it was incredible. You've got to understand, like, my brother and my mum are, like, the most entertaining people to be around so it was just nice to sit back and i don't know i'm a little more quiet i, I have my moments but they ran the show and right. it was very entertaining me and my mom are attention seekers is what <laughs> right. you're saying yeah uh whereas you have this quiet grace about you that's, that's i'm very like jealous of it's interesting that happens isn't it because you are quite different i feel like and, and you kind of play on that in the in the show to some extent yeah. there's a competitiveness isn't there in the show particularly yeah but also you know there's this my ego just can't i'm the older brother you know i'm meant to like well, i grew up right and um so we've never talked about this actually this is actually <laughs> going to turn to therapy but thanks guys <laughs> it's actually been really hard for me in a bunch because you know when we were kids yeah he was like i was the older brother that he looked up to you know and used to remember he used to carry my backpack all day because you just wanted to wear your older yeah, brother's not, cool backpack. That's not a metaphor. I literally used to carry his with backpack like, with through the mall because it was Nike and I didn't have any Nike and he did. So with all my books in it and it was like, it was so nice to just have like basically just a, a servant, you know, and, <laughs> and then suddenly he turned 13 and became too cool for school and started learning wor words with more than two syllables and you started rapping and started getting your own opinions. It was, it's been really difficult <laughs> for me. <laughs> It's rapping and opinions. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That is a yeah. deadly well, combination. Uh, when he got that role together. in Informer, which was brilliant, what did you think then? I mean, that was yeah, and then, and then you, when you started acting and stuff, I was just like, 
uh, okay, well, he's going to need me to, to coach him. I'm going to, and then he was just, you were just doing your own thing and you're really good. And this is the first time we really worked together apart from my yeah. silly YouTube videos <laughs> that, um, you know, where you rocked up and you had this like method and approach and it was really good. And I, I learned, I learned a lot for you, but it has been really difficult for my ego. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, was there anything particular that he did? Any particular job that you thought, oh, this is, you know, I'm, I'm jealous of this. You used to do this really zen thing where he would do a take and he'd be like, what was the phrase you said? Leave the take, at, take on set or something? Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a phrase. Something yeah. about like, I'd do a take and I'd be like, no, let's go for another one. I can make it better. No, I'd do this. And then on, on the way home, I'd be like, oh, I should have done it like this. I should have done that. And you had this really zen approach where he was like, given three very different options and they, they'll choose it in the edit. And, and I was like, no, he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm the genius here. He has no idea. And then obviously I'm executing on the show. I'm in the edit every day and I'm sat there and it was so, you, it was so good to edit because we could dial up, dial down parts of his character so easily because he gave us all, all of that to play with. Mm. It, was, it was amazing. We should say as well, the show, is, it, the show has got a kind of fantastical element to it in a way, isn't it? It's got these, there's these fantasy sequences kind of that take you, it's, it's not kind of, you know, pure realism. Was that a part of your whole conception of the show from the start? Yeah, I wanted to make a TV show that like jumped out the screen in some kind of way. And, and I wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to make this character where when his emotions heighten, um, the world around him physically starts warping um, as a way of visually showing emotion. I just wanted to make something a bit trippy, but still emotionally grounded. So I tried to link those two things together. And I also wanted to make something sensory. And you know, when it's hard, like you're like, here's, here's the pilot of this show and there's these two people and, and they're in love. But like, why do we care about this character who we just met in love with this character? And I'm like, well, if we can literally make love, if we can, if the audience can, I can't say it because it's a spoiler, but if the audience can taste it in some way, yes. we can link it to a sense. That's um, a spoiler, yes. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing sorry, scene. It's yeah. But it is, it's, it's weird and it goes to weird places, yeah. but it always has an emotional reason for doing it. Yeah. In, in, in terms of when you're acting in it and all this stuff, a lot of stuff, there's visual stuff going on around you. Is that when you've, have you seen, when you see the final edit of you're like, oh yeah, that's what the whole thing looks like. And it looks quite fascinating, doesn't it? When you, it must be weird to act in the middle of all that. It was great because we had all these moving sets and things you don't see on, you know, typical yeah. British sitcoms. Um, and it's not just a reflection of our taste, like being surreal comedy. Yeah, it is our taste, but it's also true to our experience of who we are as people and artists. And growing up, like in Ilford, you know, at times it was really mundane, at times it was really colorful, and at times it was like quite psychedelic almost, like the 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 difference in experience, you know, going to school and going to sports club, this community center um, that our mum run. And, you know, there's a nod to that in the story as well. And all the kind of varied experiences had, it really felt like that. So to see that represented in such a sophisticated way, it was just a joy to be around. Can I just say, I, I, I grew up in Ilford as well. Did you? Yeah, my mum's yes. still is in Ilford. Yeah. Where? I'm in Ilford. Well, I went to Ilford Jewish Primary School, then Ilford County High School. So did we. Yeah. No, we, we didn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's um, us, don't you remember? From, yeah. from I'm uh, way older from, than you. Like, dude, from Hebrew us. class. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been honoured to be bullied by you. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. Way back. Professor yeah. McGonagall from Harry Potter, also from Ilford. Yeah, yeah um, shout yeah. out. Trevor like Brooklyn. 1910s Ilford, which looked yeah. a bit different. Yeah. Which school did you go to? 
Chadwell Heath. Uh-huh. Chadwell Chad, Chad, Chad Heath. In, no, they don't. They don't. They don't make it out here. I'm, uh, My mum still lives off Cranbourne Road. Is all I'm saying. Ah, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, it was a funny one, isn't it? And there were times where like stakes were quite high. You know, growing up, there was mm. a lot of pressure. Um, and and sometimes you know we were seeing things that kids shouldn't see. You know, like I think also when you're from a working class background, you're exposed to stuff that's like. I don't know, quite full on sometimes. And we used escapism a lot. Like, whether it was like a blanket fall or whether it was like, I don't know, just getting lost in. And I think a lot, the show has a lot of that. Mm. And we don't say why we're doing that, but I think that it was, it's in our DNA to like, yeah. when things got difficult, boy, you better use your imagination and, you know, and, and get colorful. And it's what we watched. It's what was on the TV. Well, when, I was going to ask know. about your influences. What, what, what kind of stuff did you grow up watching? Yeah, what did we watch? Um, a lot of cartoons. Keenan and Kel was a big one. Yeah. Mm. They kind of had like a brotherly thing. Yeah. We oh, just we really identify with silliness. <laughs> and as adults, it's just as important to us, if not, if not more, tap into that childlike energy. Anything else that you, 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 you influenced by it? I mean, you can think of. Do you remember Courage the Cowardly Dog? <laughs> That shit was sad. It was so That's sad. That's not a kid's show. No. Don't show it to your children. It's about this kid who, like, not kid, the, this dog, dog, who basically just gets like verbally and physically abused. Yeah. And he lives in the middle of nowhere and has no friends. And it's raining all the time. Like, the, the sky and the gra- is like all grey. The grandma like kind of supports him. Grandma, she, but like in a very yeah. codependent, weird way. Yeah. Yeah, we need to look It's in- vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. That is a lot. That, that show was a lot. Yeah, <laughs> um, what are your hopes? For, what, when people watch the show, which would end of se- roughly in September, is it on BBC yeah, Three, and it'll be on iPlay, and it'll be on, on BBC One as well. All of that. It is like it, there's some kind of poignant moments as well. Like it does talk about tonal shifts. Like you, you move from like a completely fun moment to something quite poignant. But scenes between you and Russell are quite poignant. Is that? Did you find that kind of fun to work out? Yeah, but I'm also like allergic to like earnestness and stuff. And I think, oh, it's not earnest. Yeah, it's yeah. Earnest, yeah. Well, but I'm terrified of people being like, tell them that fucking joke, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and so I'm always just like comedy, comedy, comedy. And actually, a lot of the people around me were like, dude, chill. Like, have you like, you've obviously written something with a lot of feeling in it. And I'm like, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. <laughs> You're like, well, obviously you have. And and Russell was very good at just making it real. And you lot were very good at making it real. And I think it really encouraged me to like be more vulnerable because sometimes you can really hide behind a joke, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's a fantastic show. I think I thought it was, I've seen three episodes and I w- if I'd really thought about it, we should have shown a clip tonight, but you know, people will, people will watch it in September. And Naban, have you got any other shows coming up? Anything and you've been cast in coming up? That- uh, I've got a film coming out. Oh yeah. In camera. Um, now that got brilliant reviews, didn't it? It was at festivals and it's got, yeah, it's, it's, right. it's doing its thing. It's creeping yeah. up. Um, we've done some festivals and, uh, hopefully you'll be at a local British film festival very soon. So I yeah, bet it will. that coming out. And do you know the date? For, we can't say the date yet, can we? For No, BBC are vague. Yeah. Like and we don't, you don't even know, do you? I don't even know. I don't even know when I'm getting paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't as long as paid. you are getting paid for it, that's the main thing. I don't even know if I am getting paid for it. <laughs> Wait, it wasn't work experience? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I still can't believe it's coming out. I'm, I'm kind of like... You know, it's, it's a big deal, isn't it? Are you nervous about, you know? Well, not just that. It's just like TV takes so long to make, you know, and um, we've been making it in secret for so long. It's weird that now we're talking yeah, about it. And I'm like, on the day, they still might pull it and be like, I can't believe we let this kid make a TV show. 
So I'm just excited, but also a bit like <laughs> pinching myself. Yeah. yeah, I think it's going to do very well. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Nabal and Mawan, for joining us. Thank you. Oh, and thanks, boy. I mean, you couldn't grab some cake Thank if you, you wanted to. Yeah, should yeah? we just take a whole tray? Yeah. Two, Moan in the barn, Rizwan, who stole my fucking cake. Uh, we are going to have a brief intermission, which is going to last 20 minutes. So I think we'll be back at, I want to say, doing basic maths about five past. Uh, so if you want to freshen up, you want to get a drink, do go and do so. If you want some cake or cookies or brownies, come up to the stage here and whatever's left. You're welcome to try. I cannot emphasize this enough. If you are allergic to really anything, please don't, you know, die. So do do that. Uh, everyone who came for Ricky, please don't leave. Uh, see you in a bit. Welcome back. Did you enjoy the first half of the show? Yeah. Excellent, excellent. We now proceed with our regularly scheduled bellendry. Uh, those of you who listen to the show every week will know... Sorry, I'm slightly off mic. I'm going to move over here. Uh, we'll know what to expect from this. If you don't and you only came for Ricky, I will say, please bear with us. Thank you. Uh, and if Boyd says the word famously, just chuckle quietly and you will fit right in. Uh, so... I mean, look, I don't do this alone, so I should probably introduce my two co-pilots for this thing. Uh, and first up, we have a woman who is actually in the middle of her first live pilot. She did judge the Banshee segment at 200, but that doesn't really count. She is the world's leading authority on Virgin River, a close personal friend of both of the stars from Colin from Accounts, if not actual Colin himself. Uh, she is Pilot TV's official foreign language correspondent and a woman who I have waited until this exact moment to inform that we are doing a full-blown Foundation Season 2 spoiler special with creator David Goya that she needs to bone up for. It's Kay Ribeiro. <laughs> You're going to need a bigger glass of wine. Oh, God. You good? Feeling? That's it. That's my statement. The glow oh, of God. baking victory. Yeah I'm, very, yeah. I'm trying to be gracious, but we know that's not possible. Not trying that hard. No. I'm, saying. I'm very happy about that. It's going on LinkedIn tomorrow. Oh, I have no my doubt. My greatest uh, career highlight. Uh, also with us tonight, of course, is a man who is in encyclopedic knowledge of all things televisual, uh, knows no bounds, and I should say whose Rolodex knows no end, and quite frankly, let's face it, he's responsible for all of tonight's guests because they're his celebrity friends. Uh, please do be kind to him, though, this evening, if you see him squinting at all, because Boyd unfortunately did suffer an injury. He has suffered some eye strain from watching tonight's show on his unreasonably small new television. <laughs> uh, he's still adjusting to 77 inches. It's Boyd Hilton! How are you, Boydie? Hi, James. Huh? Let's see your observation skills. Oh, oh, oh what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yes. 
Okay, so I... That's amazing. It's terrifying. Did you have that made? Yes, I had that made. <laughs> the tonal uh, shifts. Yeah. Yeah. I love that in your head, the tonal shifts is just four of me playing mm. music. Yeah. Well, when I found this, this incredible set of images that you put up yourself, That's obviously... That's true. On Instagram, I couldn't. I thought this is perfect. Yeah, for your and it's it's your band. It's your band it T-shirt. It's a band of yeah. four me's. Yeah, that yeah. white wine is for me, by the way, Kate. Oh right. Oh, is it? Myself. Yeah. I thought Kate was just you know fortifying. Oh, you, you don't want to no, see me after. I just the need. Wine. I just need a bit of alcohol you, after you that first bit. segment of the. Yeah. The well done, boy. A little good bit of Okay. Okay. Good. 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 I basically can I just say I basically turned this evening, which was going to be you know general pilot TV celebration, two hundred and fifty episodes. I turned it personally into a symposium on TV comedy. And because James doesn't understand comedy, the whole that whole first half that you've experienced was just completely alien to him. So I had to do the whole thing myself with Kay helping as well, of course. He's, he's not wrong, yeah. I would say. Um, but it was great. They were great. Thanks. You know, yeah, it's, 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 I felt like, and I've said this before, I felt a lot like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator 2. He's like, I know now why you cry. Yeah. It is something I could never do. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, you know, laughter. Exactly. So that's it's good. alien to you. Let good, the joy in, James. Can we, can we just talk about the... Cookie debacle. So, so I did try. You all tried the cookies, right? They didn't deserve to win, did they? Yes. Yeah. Don't, don't try and come the to me and the audience. Huh? The crowd have turned on me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when they first came in the auditorium. I will say, so the original batch of cookies are in the green room. And I swear to God, if we've been one, I could take your fucking heads off with them. Yeah. <laughs> they are, they like are discuses. So... I just thought, can you imagine if I broke Tom Davis and, and Craig Bakes, their teeth, just yeah. the front teeth went and like Wonka, all his promotion for that, it would just be awful. It would be awful. It would be awful. I couldn't, I couldn't let us get sued. So, yeah. it, they were good cookies. They were, to be fair, Boydie, also your brownie was very, yes. very good. I tried it with Thank the, you. With the little blackberries and the marble topping. Yeah, I thought, you know, can I, I, I actually, I, the first time I did them, which was about a week ago, when I did the mar, I did basically cheesecake brownies. They were Brownies with cream cheese in them. Yeah. I thought that's not enough. So this morning when I did, I added the blackberries. I think it was a bit of a risk. I think it might not. Have, too much. Have, maybe too much. Maybe too much. Maybe it made them a bit too gooey. I don't know. Difficult. I don't know. I yeah. So, them, but. but you know. But I think you were a deserving winner, even though James obviously tried to spin it so that he. Yeah. I had the logo worked. on the cake. Do you yeah. know what? It's too keno. You're just trying to really? murder. Yeah. I was a bit of a swap. Can I just uh, thank Jenny? I don't know if she's here, but Jenny was uh, one of our listeners who was cheerleading me all the way, supporting me every time I was freaking out, going, "Oh my god." I don't have a cookie scoop. She's like, I think you can just use a teaspoon. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to thank Jenny. This is we share this award, which I haven't got. Which you don't have. I didn't, didn't we get We'll work award. out some kind of award for you. Okay. Okay. Thanks. We'll sort it out. I All also right. made the mistake of making brownies when Craig Bakes, as he rightly pointed out, that is uh, one idiot. Yeah. Literally what he does yeah. for a living. Oh, I totally yeah. regret that now yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 As you can say, I haven't got can see I haven't got over the disappointment. Never bring a knife to a gunfight. Yeah. Basically, came third in the bake off. He's not used to losing. Devastating. Yeah. Anyway, okay. I don't want to spend the whole night talking. Okay, look, me, Kay, and the big loser should probably move on to the first section, which is what we've been watching this week. Boydie, what have you been watching? Well, um, there's one thing I've been watching that is a classic example of what we often really annoy people on the podcast, whereby there's something that's been made available to us that they're previews oh, of. That I, well, I'm not supposed to watch it. It's heavily embargoed, but I've watched some of it anyway. It's the morning show. It's the new season of the morning show. Season three, and obviously I can't um, review it. I can't say whether it's good or bad or anything like that because that would be breaking the strict embargo. But I could, I could indicate visually, you know, whether it's recovered from the frankly terrible second season. So for me, the morning show. I loved the first season. 
This is Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. I'm sure you all know they're playing. They played rival kind of you know morning hosts and, and newsreaders and stuff. And I thought the first series was absolutely brilliant. It had a whole uh, Me Too storyline uh, that they did. I thought they did really well. Then the second season got incredibly bogged down in the virus and all of that and COVID. It was just oh, it was just too much and had some ridiculous scenes as well. There was an argument in the car, famously, 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 famously. <laughs> 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 Thanks. With Jennifer Aniston and someone else, and it was insane. Um, so my, I was kind of like, oh, is series three going to be more like series one or series two? And in the end, all I'll say is, it's, it, I'm not going to say, I can't say, but if you said indicate visually, if it's better than season two, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was ambiguous. Yeah. No embargoes were broken. Yeah, there. no spoilers. Um, but it's really, it's really wild and, and as kind of, uh, full of tonal shifts, frankly. Oh, yes. Yeah, so as ever. Um, and goes to some places that you really, do, I didn't really, did not expect. John Hamm is the big new guest star in it. John Hamm plays, I think I can say this, who knows, I haven't checked, who gives a shit? <laughs> um, he plays, right. he plays a tech billionaire. He basically plays Elon Musk. And um, that's, Interesting. Okay, I was about to say, I was about to give a value judgment on that. I won't. But yeah, so I, was, I have watched quite a lot of the new season of The Morning Show. And that was in between preparing for this thing and all the other things we had to watch properly. I still managed to be diverted by The Morning Show. So I guess that says something else about it. The other thing I've been watching, I wanted to mention Parkinson. Uh, Michael Parkinson, who's an absolute legend. And, I, and there are loads of episodes. I mean, you can go on a YouTube you know, thing for hours watching old episodes, but they're putting them up on iPlayer as well. BBC Four is showing old Parkinson episodes. And I was brought up, I watched Parkinson growing up religiously. And he, he, he was, has so ama many amazing episodes. There's a couple of Dame Edna episodes that are just fantastic because I love Dame Edna. They're my favorites, I think, but the Billy Connolly ones, of course. So yeah, you can, there are loads of brilliant Parkinson episodes on BBC iPlayer, and I watched quite a few of them. Um, in the week that he passed away. And finally, I want to mention I, Claudius. I, Claudius came out in 1976 when I was... I think Timely I watch, Boyd. Timely yeah. watch. <laughs> very, very, very on the button, very, for the kids, one for the kids. 1976, I was nine years old and I watched it going out on TV with my parents and my older brother. And it's so inappropriate. This is a show, right, that's got incest, bestiality, um, orgies, uh, incredible violence, amoral activity, that left, right, centre, but it's so brilliant. And they're repeating it at the moment as well on BBC Four. And I just watched, like, I got sucked in. I watched three episodes the other night, and they are still absolutely brilliant. It's dated. It's all shot on video, so it's kind of like, it immediately feels dated because it's weird uh, a classical drama was shot on video, but it somehow works. And the script is fantastic. The acting is incredible. Um, and John Hurt, when he arrives um, as Caligula, is just astonishing. John Hurt is just in, in, absolutely brilliant as Caligula. And it's really daring and out there. And they do not scrimp on getting into the detail of the madness of that period of ancient history. So yeah, I'm well up there with 1976's I Claudius. I recommend it strongly. There you go. Thank you, Boyd. Yeah, thanks. Okay, what have you been watching? Wow, I feel like a Philistine now. Um, so on Darren, our esteemed editor's recommendation, actually he tweeted all of us, I've watched Fisk, it's on Netflix, and um, he recommended it to us because we're obviously going through a massive Aussie comedy flex. Well, actually you're in there. Aren't you? oh, I'm in, on board with Colin, 100%. Mm. So anyway, so this is an Australian comedy and it's about a high-end lawyer. Have you seen it? No. 
um, called Helen Tudor Fisk, played by Kitty Flanagan. And she's basically forced to take a job at a really low-rent suburban law firm um, after, she's got a, after she's had a horrendous divorce. And it's just very funny. So I would, I would say it's similar to Frayed, if you like Frayed, with um, Sarah Kendall. So that was good, but... Frayed was brilliant, yeah. Yeah, Frayed was good. The real recommendation for me is No Activity on iPlayer, which is, as if you're a Colin fan like us, it's by the uh, Patrick Brammel, who created Colin, and also by Trent O'Donnell. And the first series is all about... Brammel plays a... Um, a crap detective, basically, him and a guy called Tim Meadows. And they're on surveillance, and they're trying to stop a massive drug um, cartel. They're just like, you know, so they're surveilling it. And it's about the two criminals who are equally useless and the uh, police um, people who work, you know, in the control room, one of whom is played by Harriet Dyer, who is his wife in real life, also in Colin. So I would say it's really funny. It's really funny, really rude. Highly recommend. It's on BBC iPlayer, James. Interesting. I'll mm -hmm. that out. Even though it is comedy. Mm. Mm. Did, they meet, did they know each other? Sorry, when they, do you know? They, I don't know. I uh, wanted to find sorry. out. I think they might no. have met on that. Yeah, I think they might have met on that. Yeah. Let's say they did. Oh, God. And then if it turns out not to be true, then we can edit it out. Yeah. yeah. Don't need to fact check. Um, and the other thing, I'm going to do, I know I rolled my eyes a little bit when you were talking about something we couldn't talk about, but I'm going to say it anyway. So, Starstruck, we'll probably do next week or a little bit later. Um, it's coming out on the 28th of August and it's the third series of Rose Matafeo's brilliant rom-com. Obviously, I'm not allowed to say anything, but I would say it's she's maintained the high quality and standard and the first episode is really great and that will be on the 28th of August on BBC Three. Interesting. I actually like Starstruck. Yeah, it's really quite good. Funny. The one episode of it, to be fair, that I watched. But I did, I did find it quite funny. So it's more of a rom-com, isn't it? You like a rom-com. I do like a rom-com. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. I think sometimes comedy slips... Slips past my guard if it's sort of couched in romance. I quite mm. like a rom-com. Mm. So I'm a man of many conundrums. Yes. Well, then that's one way of putting it. Anyway, uh, what have I been watching? Okay, look, let's, let's just address the elephant in the room. I wasn't on last week's podcast because apparently I was in a Tuscan villa, which is how we refer to centre parks. Um, <laughs> kill me. Can uh, you imagine James in a Tuscan villa? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I made that up, right? And I thought, no one's going to take this even vaguely seriously. But then someone did ask me, is he really in is a Tuscan really villa? I was like, no. In a Tuscan he, villa, no. I mean, you wouldn't want James to be in a Tuscan villa. No. no Tuscan villas have many fewer Tuscany water villas. slides, I would say. Yeah. That would be my, my main takeaway. But look, I, so I wasn't able to talk about the most important thing of the year so far, which is Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Now, now, who watches oh God, Strange New Worlds? Oh my God, someone actually put their hand up. Come oh on, God. come on. Now, Boydie, mm. have you caught up? What is no, wrong with I've you? I've been too busy watching episodes of The Morning Show, obviously. And I, Claudius, for and I, Claudius, reasons that, frankly, yeah. pass understanding. Yeah. But, okay, I just need to say, this show is incredible. And not just for Star Trek, but just across the board. So, okay, the reason you might actually tolerate this mm -hmm. is because... The tone of this show, tonal shift, the tonal shift, the tone of the show is so elastic that they can bounce from like a really serious like courtroom drama episode to a mad kind of comedy of manners episode to like, like a really dark, serious episode to, to frankly, whatever this is. Unfortunately, we don't have a PRS license, which means I'm not allowed to play you any kind of musical clips or really clips from shows or films without getting into trouble. So this was a clip from the Star Trek Lower Decks crossover episode of Strange New Worlds uh, that everyone found very amusing. Come on! 
So, right? Big round of applause for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. But, but, so this is obviously the Lower Decks crossover episode. But they go from this, they go from this to an episode about the horrors of war, about PTSD, you know, about, you know, trauma and murder. And it is as dark as episodes get. And then right off the back of that, they go into this. This one was the singing Klingons from the Subspace Rhapsody musical episode. You can't unsee it. And I'm talking about James the Dancing. He is everyone in that particular shot. <laughs> unbelievable television. Just unbelievable. Come on, please tell me you were sucked in by that. Yeah. A little bit? No? Yeah, yeah, You're not yeah. That musical episode is incredible. They reference Buffy once more with feeling in there. Bunnies. It must be bunnies. Uh, and there's just... It's, it, there are people cartwheeling through the corridors of the Enterprise. It's fantastic. There's a whole medley, which, you know, you'd think I wasn't going to show you, but, I mean, you'd be wrong. Yes, this one was a clip from the medley musical finale of the episode. Don't worry, we're almost finished with these clips. Thank you. It feel, do you know what that feels like? That feels like that Boyd's put something in those brownies. We've all ingested it. And then... I also, I must have missed the meeting where... where you were allowed to have visual effects. Yeah, we yeah. were allowed to have clips. No, we didn't get told... Oh, yeah. You do not have the clicker of power, so it no, would not help you. No, I mean, it would have been nice to have been when the Rizwan brothers were on to show a clip from their show or something. <laughs> that's you know, true. No, I was never given that option. I could have told you. That's true. Jesus. I decided to withhold that information. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, but my point is... wanted to show off with your... I did, it's gadgets. true. I did what I did. But they go from this to like the final, which is literally a horror episode. And I don't know if any of you guys know this. So the way they do these, this show is they approach directors and they basically, the individual directors for each episode, and they say like, you're doing a musical, you're doing a comedy, you're doing a horror. And they treat them as individual kind of hour long films of a specific genre. And they pick directors based on that fact, which is why the tones just zigzag all over the place. And it's completely uneven. And you would think I would hate that, and yeah. yet here we are. I absolutely love it. Like yeah. this is right up there with my favourite tracks ever, and I'm obsessed with it. I mean, you've never been known for your consistency. That's, <laughs> so, yeah. That is true. That's that is true. But yeah. I, I will say that the, even this is not the best musical moment of the year so far. It's pretty pretty close. Uh, it's not Taylor Swift again, is it? I did say almost finished. Yes, this final one was in fact the clip from the bear where Richie is in the car singing along to Taylor Swift's love story. Uh, sorry. No one listening to this is going to get any of this because we don't have a PRS license. <laughs> this is just for in the room. Um, yes, sorry, that was from the bear. Uh, so yes, I have been watching a lot of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I have also gone back to For All Mankind. So, oh, you know, mm -hmm. my incredibly slow watch through of that show persists. I am loving it. I'm just dropping episodes in infrequently. Uh, but I'm halfway through the second season. I haven't even got to season three yet. Um, I've also been boning up for next week's show. Mm. Because, let me tell you, I have watched the entirety of the fifth and final season of Mayans MC. Mm. Uh, yes, indeed. I have also watched the unexpected new season of Warrior, which has come to Sky. That comes to Sky next week as well. And I've started The Wheel of Time. Okay. Yeah, I of mean, course. These are all um, sub second seasons or even fifth seasons, so oh they're yes, not they're, they're not down the list of oh yes. priorities. But you know, there is the James clause, whereby yeah. if I like a show, it just kind of slips of in there. Yeah, uh, it is a dictatorship. It is a little bit. Sorry, yeah. but no, really exciting. There's some good stuff uh, which we will be talking about next week, possibly. Or, well, unless there's some be. kind of revolt, in which case we may not. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but pretty psyched about all of those. 
I happen to know there's loads of exciting new shows that aren't in their second, third, fourth, or fifth series. Yeah, but see, if you if you use that, then you, then there'll be no tower next week, and I know you're going to want to talk about the tower because mm, okay. that's right. season two. Okay, yeah, yeah that's and season two. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Should we should we move on to news? Should we yes, do news? Oh yeah. Sorry, Richie. Uh, news it is, and look, I'm just going to start. Warrior none. Uh, as we all know, Warrior Nun was cancelled and then renewed. Warrior Nun is not just coming back as another season of TV. No, 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 no. Warrior Nun is coming back as one, two, three feature films. Three feature films and apparently a whole spin-off universe, the showrunner was saying. Surely that's too much of a good thing. It's a lot of Warrior Nun, I'm not going to lie. Desigual shares have gone through the roof. <laughs> also, I listened to you bang on about this on the Empire podcast. <laughs> Sorry. As I'm sure many of our uh, audience Apologies. Have. Yes, that's that fine. No, but they, they kind of like humoured you with your warrior nun. A little bit. Fetish, as a I'm calling bit. it. There may have been some humouring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But look, I, look, I'm not going to say warrior nun is, you know, the best show on TV, but it's quite fun. I quite like it. So, uh, yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite excited that it's coming back. But did you also see, did you see that's not the only warrior nun news? Clemence Posey is playing a warrior nun in the Daryl Dixon Walking Dead spinoff. There was a little clip. Did anyone see the clip? There was a clip. Nobody cares. No. Uh, one, no, there was one. There was a woo. There was one the woo. There was one. Is that Norman Reedus? Norman? Norman. Uh, nobody cares about Daryl Dixon, it seems. In fact, they announced that there was a new type of walker, and it's called a burner. And apparently, when it bites you, it burns. <laughs> Get a fuck. Come on. Honestly. Like, not, I mean, you die if you're bitten by a zombie. If it hurts a bit more, is that a big threat? I don't know. I think they're, they're reaching a little bit for mm. this. They have to come up with new ways of enlivening that franchise, though, don't they? Well, they've gone to Paris, right? So they're on holiday. Oh, okay. Yeah. This whole thing takes place in Paris, hence Clemence Posey as, right. uh, as a warrior nun in so they, France. Yeah. They've got the Eurostar. They have the Eurostar. <laughs> it may not be running. In no. the apocalypse. Is it going to be like that? Was it Train to Busan, that film with the zombies yeah, on the train? It might. And yeah. the whole thing's on the Eurostar. Yeah. God, I hope That'd so. That'd be great. I should pitch it. You should yeah. pitch yeah, it. Should. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. SNCF to Busan. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, what other news do we have? Okay. Uh, oh, right. So for anyone who likes Jonathan Bailey uh, from Bridgeton, anyone? Uh, Lord Johnny Dan- Bailey. Yeah. As his friends call him. Your mate. Yeah. Uh, Lord Anthony. Well, he's got a new drama. Fellow Travellers will premiere on the 28th of October on Paramount+. Plus. Um, it's a LGBTQ plus drama adapted from Thomas Mallon's 2007 novel. And apparently it charts the romance between two men who meet while working for the US government during the height of McCarthyism. So, you know, but... Jonathan Bailey. Mm. So that's exciting. Mm. And that's the uh, 28th of October. Um, Also, sex education. So it's coming to an end. It is. On 21st of September. I'm really sad. Don't be sad, James. Because Laurie Nunn, the creator, has said there's potential for a return to that world. Bear with. I'm definitely taking a break about um, thinking about other things. But Mordale is a rich world. And writing about teenagers is always a lot of fun. So I think there's some always potential to explore that world further. Interestingly, of course, Moan is one who was on earlier who um, wrote for Sex Education. Mm. And he, yeah, did uh, interesting. Well, if I'd have had time, I would have asked him about that. But I, I ran out of time. We had to cut it short for those like, yeah, effects. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had to cut it short so we could have clips of Star Trek. Hey. Yeah, they were excellent. Yes. But they've talked about that before, and I think they will. Sex Education is such a, a kind of successful. It's, there aren't that many shows on Netflix, are there, that have punched through 
and become cultural artifacts, yeah. I think it's fair to say. But that's one of them. Stranger Things, there's probably a few others, yeah. Afterlife. But there's no way they're going to let that no. not somehow carry on in some way, shape, it's or like, form. It's um, like, not on, obviously, Netflix. It's like Ted Lasso, isn't it? Yeah. There's always going to yeah. be a spin-off. Frankly, a lot better. Like, not, no shade to throw at Ted Lasso, but to sex education, genuinely, I would... If you were to ask me what the most bingeable show I've ever seen mm. is, it would be that. It's very addictive, yeah. Yeah, I can't stop... Like, it literally, it's whole season in one sitting. Like, I can't yeah. stop watching it. Yeah. Obsessed. Yeah. So, yeah, more of that. The Mordale Cinematic Universe. I am there for that. Mm. Yeah. My last bit of news, and it is the biggest news, and it's a little bit old, but um, Colin from Accounts, second season, it's coming. Mm. Yeah. Did we not announce that on the podcast? I no, don't know. I don't think we did. Are you sure? I think we yeah. talked about it amongst three, four weeks ago. Did no, anyone no, no, hear no. it? Does anyone it was only, that news only broke uh, to, uh, like about a week to ten days ago, and I think we missed it somehow on the podcast. We just so news it. is see, it's when I'm not on, it all just goes to shit. Yeah, That's basically. what's happening. Yeah, of course, the whole podcast goes to shit when it's yeah. on. If you want yeah. us to maintain okay. that. But it's exciting, though. Let's, let's focus on that. Okay. No, that's good. No, it is exciting. I'm very they excited. Said, Harriet and um, Patrick said, it turns out the Border Terrier community is extremely powerful. Uh, <laughs> thanks to everyone around the world for, who's enjoyed the show, and we can't wait to bring you a second season. So, Excellent. Yeah. Did they very say when? Good. No, that was too... No. They did not. Absolutely not. All right. Well, I'm excited but, to see that. You know, in the future. Yeah, in the future. Good, good. There was a trader for the Continental, right, which is the... The spin-off from the John Wick. Yes. Um, Starring films. your friend and mine, Mel Gibson. Right? <laughs> it's going to be a guest in the 300th episode <laughs> of uh, the podcast. Uncontroversial. Well, I have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of boycotting it. I mean, Mel, Mel Gibson is an complete... He's not without his problems, yeah. No. Yeah. So I, it's weird, yeah, that we all just kind of go along with. Oh, yeah, but Mel we Gibson's love John Wick, boy, We love John Wick. I love John but I don't know if I love mm. it enough to approve of Mel Gibson. Well, it's only yeah. three episodes. Like, it's a three-part <laughs> limited series. Oh, you mean, series. so I should... <laughs> It's only, it's only three episodes. It's fine. Makes it makes it easier to boycott. It's easier to boycott. You know, you have yeah. an obvious thing with the Leonard Bernstein, Bradley Cooper controversy, yeah. right? I'm going to yeah. bring that up as well, <laughs> even though that's film. But, you know, this is much more controversial for me than that. I don't yeah. care about... Um, uh, Bradley Cooper can do whatever he likes to look a bit more like Leonard Bernstein. But, yeah, to give to welcome back... This is the biggest high-profile thing, isn't it? To be fair... Mel Gibson's done. He I is think, the villain. Since he kind of... He's the villain. Yeah, so Sorry. he's playing a bellend. Like, so at least that's they're fine typecasting. Then. That's know. fine then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That yeah. kind he's, of... gonna, he's clearly going to die horribly before the end. What, in real life? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no guarantees. Um, okay, okay, that's good. But did you, speaking of things that are kind of vaguely connected to films, as Boyd likes to do on this podcast, um, did you see the Apple monster yes. mash? Yes. So this is the, I can't, what CU is it? The Monster Cinematic? I don't know. Anyway, so this is the new Godzilla TV show, which is spun off of Godzilla, Godzilla, Killing of the Monsters, Godzilla vs. Kong, and all of those good things. Uh, and it has a title, and its title is, I've forgotten what its title it is. It is, I'll tell you. <laughs> Monarch, Monarch, Monarch Legacy of the Monsters. Yes, yes. Monus, Monarch Leg Legacy of Monsters. <laughs> exactly. That will be seamlessly edited in the... Uh, <laughs> podcast that goes out um, and, and it's got uh, the interesting thing about this though is it's got Wyatt Russell in it son yes. of Kurt Russell yes. and it's got actual Kurt Russell and they're playing the same character in different eras yeah so it's all the rage to have your relatives close relatives in the same show it is yeah, yeah. Nepo baby Wyatt Russell yeah hmm. but to be fair they're both really good they are actors. they are very good yeah I love Kurt Russell absolute legend yeah. so yeah I'm excited to see that I will say one thing I was less excited by is Amazon have been swinging the cancellation oh, yeah. axe in the wake of the current strikes so 
Uh, a League of Their Own, which had been renewed, will not be getting its slightly truncated second season that we were promised. That is now not happening. But more to the point, the peripheral, which I know Kay loved, uh, but I genuinely did love, that was renewed for a second season, is now not getting one. So that's Yeah, dead. I wasn't that bothered about peripheral. Oh, I loved it. And I watched all of it. Yeah, last time I'm not getting back. Did. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not. I can't. I can't get too annoyed about peripheral. Do you? Do you? This was. I mean, yeah. it was in Kay's periphery. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very much in my blind spot there. No. But the, I'm not being funny. These are not going to be the last. I think if this strike goes on, I do think more shows will find themselves getting fully cancelled. It's pretty devastating, yeah. isn't it? Because because League of Their Own, I think they took a while to confirm. They did, yeah. It was going to be yeah. renewed. Then they renewed it in 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 a smaller, yeah, kind of fewer episode new season, and then they've completely axed it. That is like devastating. Yeah. If you work on that show. And that was a really good show as well. That is hard. To it is. It is harsh. I, I mean, do you feel for them? But I, you know, a lot of I think a lot of things are going to fall by the wayside before this strike is over because there seems to be no end in sight for either the writers or the actors. So uh, the studios and the networks need to pay them more money. Hmm. I think it's fairly safe to say. Um, in slightly happier news, have you heard about Hal and Harper? No. So this is a Mark Ruffalo indie dramedy. What's interesting about this is that it stars Mark Ruffalo. It also stars Lily Reinhardt, who's in, uh, from Riverdale. Uh, but uh, the cha-cha real smooth director, who's Cooper Rafe, is also starring in this. But they are playing his children, his nine and seven-year-old children. So this is absolutely true. The official synopsis reads, <laughs> it's basically a single dad, Mark Ruffalo, and he's making his children grow up too fast, so fast that the seven and nine-year-olds are being played by adult actors. Hmm. That's, that is Groundbreaking just, or just no, it's creepy? Whack. That is crazy. No? Cuckoo bong? Banana, Banana crackers, crackers? Yes. All actually, of it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's a, I think that's crazy. I do love Ruffalo, though. Yeah, so, I love the Ruffalo. Ruffalo's great, yeah. I'm interested to see it, but yeah, that, that seems deranged. There have been lots of... There has been done a lot of times before where adults have played children. That's the thing. Yeah, but it's creepy, right? Like, it's a uh, bit weird. weird boy. That is always. weird. It feels like a weird fetish thing, doesn't no, it? No. You know, you're a dummy yes, and a nutty oh, no, 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 I mean, it's rare to, for me to agree, but yeah. yeah. There's a sitcom... There's an American sitcom where they do it that I've forgotten the name of. Does anyone know that show? Yes. But, yeah. what, what was it? Uh, didn't hear it, but yeah. I didn't hear it. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> What's it called Say it again? again? Say it again. Pen 15. Pen 15. Yes, thank you. Pen 15. There you go. There we go. It's the school children all played by adults. Thank you. And it's really good. And, then, and I can go way back, if you want me to go way back, to Blue Remembered Hills, which is a Dennis Potter thing on the BBC, which was also in the 70s, where all the adults played kids, and it was brilliant. Absolutely one of the greatest um, things ever on TV so okay. it can be really good yeah. it sounds creepy but I will I will watch it I'm, I know the answer to this is going to be no but did either of you watch the trailer to the new Scott Pilgrim takes off animated show on Netflix oh you did no oh. no 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 <laughs> Oh, you oh had God. me there. Oh, my God. I actually felt a bit sorry for you then. Like, I really I was so get... excited. I know. I thought, oh, my God, is she a secret Scott Pilgrim fan? <laughs> I watched it because I am a huge Scott Pilgrim fan. Right? I love Scott Pilgrim. It's one of my favourite films, yeah. And, I mean, it's wild, isn't it? Because yeah. it is the entire cast of the Edgar Wright movie doing the voice work for this animated yes. show on Netflix. It shows you the force of nature that is Edgar Wright, yeah. I think. Because yeah. Edgar Wright, like, you know, he... he I think he's the most active film director, you know, in, around in terms of like, he reminds us of when there's like anniversaries of his films. Yeah. He, he, they, he kind of, there are organized 
you know, um, what's the word, celebrations of his mm. films. He'll do a Q&A for them. And I think he's basically corralled the cast himself of that, that classic film and got them doing the voices for this, this thing. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. It's mad. It is mad. But it looks so good. Like Brian Lee O'Malley's uh, comic, which I read, actually, I went out to Comic-Con for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and I got all the comics while I was there and read them all. They're really, really good. And this, obviously, is a much closer adaptation but a lot of that that you know that vim and that excitement and that visual interest was in the film i think that film i mean it's the most ambitious thing he's ever done it didn't do brilliantly at yeah. the box office but yeah. actually it might be his best film genuinely oh i agree uh, i think it's incredible i um famously i when when scott Kate's Pil- like yep yep i agree when scott pilgrim came out i was covering for mark kermode at the time and simon mayo and um me and nigel floyd it was floyd and boyd covered um, for that show for a couple of years actually back in the day and we were mainly thrown together because our names rhymed and because um, Mark Kermode knew both of us and so we got invited to to stand in for them Mm. and that show that film came out and we violently disagreed me and Nigel about yeah, and we had a Did he on air. It? We had an on-air argument, quite an extensive on-air argument. Oh my god, it. he it was didn't like, like the it. Prelude yeah. to breeders. Yeah, it was breeders-esque. Trigger. Yeah, um, except we were quite mature. And, oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> Good and, one, boy. In this case, you were right. Yeah, uh, but carry on. Uh, so yeah, I loved it. He hated it, and we had a massive bar- on-air Barney about it. I remember Mark Kirk Kermo was like, "Oh, that's the, you know," he loved the fact that we had an on-air Barney about it. Yeah, he thought it was very entertaining. Yeah. Mm. So that's my one of my main memories of Scott Pilgrim. A great film. Great film. Yeah. Okay, well, excited to see that. And that comes out, I think, I want to say, do you know what? I could just say November. I have no clue. Uh, but it's very exciting, and I do want to see it. Is there any other news you wish to well, talk you, about? Well, you sent us a, list, a news list to just to draw the veil, you know, of uh, secrecy. And you, you po- posed this question, which episode of The Last of Us did Steven Spielberg email about? <laughs> so speaking to The Hollywood Reporter... Craig Mazin, 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 stated that Spielberg sent him a very positive email. Of course it was, which episode was it going to be? Which episode do you think? It was obviously going to be episode three. Yeah. The best episode. Yeah. And sure enough, it was episode three. Yeah. Um, So yes, long, long time. That was the one with Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett falling in love. And it was absolutely brilliant. And yeah, Steven Spielberg sent an email saying he was so complimentary about the whole show, but that episode in particular, it was lovely. And I shared it with all the folks who worked on the show, said Craig. Yes. So that was a nice little... Thing. It is. Well done, Stephen. Yeah. Last of Us. Best show well done, of the year so far. Congratulations, Craig. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. I guess that's it for news. Time to move on to reviews. And where do we begin? Uh, we begin with Netflix's Who is Erin Carter? And this one stars Evan Ahmad as Erin Carter, which kind of answers that question and makes the show slightly redundant. Should we move on? Do we want to? Unfair. No, we, okay, fine. We'll carry on with it. Uh, so, so Erin is an expat. She's uh, working as a school teacher in Barcelona. Uh, she's living a normal, everyday life with a neighbor who's shagging the tennis coach. Uh, her daughter decides spoiler. to get a bit punchy with a school bully. It's not a spoiler. It happens very early on. Uh, uh, however, everything starts to unravel after she gets caught up in an armed robbery and her past, which she thought was forgotten, begins to reemerge, uh, which leads the people close to her to wonder whether she is in fact a teacher after all. Clearly they didn't go to my school because that's the kind of shit that went on. Um, Kay, teach us something about Erin Carter. 
Yes, well, I mean, you've kind of summarised it, but yeah, she, so you start. He does off. that. You I know, know it's really, it's yeah. kind of frustrating because I'm like, we might as well just tear up this piece of paper. Back in the day when Terry, when Terry was on the <laughs> podcast, every week this would happen whereby he'd make, do this long intro to each show we reviewed and basically kind Such of like ruin it. Yeah, she'd be like, what was it? I wrote all these notes for this whole description <laughs> and you've just completely undermined it. But yeah. I can't anyway. tell you the level of panic that just went through me as I thought, right, well, I've just got nothing now. Sorry, um, I no. apologise. No, no, no. So, so, so tell us about the show that I know nothing about. It, um, it starts in Folkestone where this woman woman who we now know is Erin um, is running away with a little girl we don't know that's her daughter um, but it fla- flashes forward five years and she's in Barcelona as James said in that accent and um, <laughs> Barcelona he- no that's not an invitation to say it again and um, she's working as a supply teacher and um, seems quite you know just an ordinary supply teacher but as James said she gets involved in this robbery in a supermarket and we realize that she's not just a supply teacher because she's very handy with a gun um, and as James said, the assailant recognises her. So, you know, it poses the question, who is Erin Carter? She's obviously not a supply teacher, she's something more. She's hiding a secret. And what I really like about this, I can't decide if this is gourmet burger or not. Mm. Maybe it's a, Yeah, I can't tell if maybe a step below. What is a step below a gourmet burger? You know the gourmet burger theory. If you're listening, if you listen to the part that that it's the ultimate, especially for Netflix. Yeah. Netflix keen on a show which is beautifully made and shot and very well cast, kind of like a Rolls Royce production. But the actual story is quite, you know, kind of soapy mm. and melodramatic. Yes, yeah, so maybe it is I juicy. It's a GB. Yeah. So. Um, it's really entertaining and pacey. And I really like the fact that this woman is just like, she pre- physically presents this petite, you know, she's very like, wears these floral dress, feminine dresses, and you kind of assume she's maybe not as strong as she is. I mean, obviously it's quite facile, but but what I love is that she's just so punchy and stabby and she's got anger issues and it's clear. You related is what you're saying. James, you know, that knife exists in the kit. No, um, no, she just, um, she is just, yeah, she plays against type and I like the dichotomy of that. So I was, yeah, I was kind of down with this. I thought it was entertaining enough. I mean, there were some flaws with it, obviously. Entertaining enough, Pilot TV podcast. <laughs> oh career. yeah, I know, I've got to stop doing that. That's, uh, that's going on the poster. No, I've got to stop doing that. No, it was, it was entertaining, but I th- it is gourmet burger. Um, gourmet burger. So, so, so gourmet burger kitchen. Or what, like what we, or Gordon Ramsay. Where, where, where does the gourmet mm. burger fall? What particular chain? Ooh, no, because we could get sponsorship with these people. Oh, you're saying? Yeah. That don't don't upset the Burger King. No. Heart, is what you're saying? Okay. Fair <laughs> Not enough. with that attitude. Right. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't want to place it, but I'd say it's it's below hijack. I'd say. Okay. For me. Okay. Boydie, where on the burgerometer does it fall for you? Um, do you know what? They, I meant to look up and I forgot completely <laughs> to look up. This reminded me. You know, there was a Netflix show. I don't know, have to ask the audience again. Where with a big, quite a big star as the main female lead, yes. and the first scene of it was, and she had a family. I think pretty much a daughter. I think. And the first thing of it was so she's having lunch and this wildly violent scene um, takes place and she intervenes and she kind of sorts it all out. And someone gets shot in the process. Do you remember? Do you remember Does this? anyone remember what this is? <laughs> oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. What is it? Who? Tony Collette was in it. Yes, thank you. Well, what's Collette the name of it? it? Can't remember the names anyway. Tony Collette. Thank you. Oh. What was it called? Pieces of her. Pieces of her. Pieces of her. Anyway, it's very I was off similar. that week. I remember that. I haven't yes. seen it. It was, but that was a gourmet burger. I thought that because Tony Collette is absolutely brilliant in everything, and and it, but it has a very similar vibe to this show. I feel, um, and. I think this was really interesting. I think 
it almost is a gourmet burger, but I think it slightly fell short from. I've only watched one episode. I think there's seven, aren't there? Yeah. Um, and I did think it was quite similar to that show. It's got quite. It's almost one of the most interesting things about it is that it is shot in Barcelona, and I love Barcelona. I go Barcelona. It's one of my two main. <laughs> Apart from that. You're basically Manuel. Yeah, <laughs> apart from Rooney. I am from Barcelona. Oh, my God. Man, absolutely <laughs> Sorry, not. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. Um, uh, but it was one of my two main holiday destinations, the other being New York. <laughs> and um, so it was interesting. And they choose quite interesting locations in Barcelona where to film, not the normal ones you'd expect where you see in every, you know, there's quite a few things from in Barcelona. Um, so that was interesting. Interesting locations. Could I just say, yes. when you look up in the dictionary, damning with faint praise. I know. They choose know. quite interesting yeah. locations. You know what? It's up there. Also, removing the veil from, from the way these things work. I slightly feel guilty about slagging it off at all because James got special permission for us to review it, That's didn't true. You? Because it is, again, the official, I think, um, uh, review embargo is... The day it I said it's very yeah. entertaining. Yeah. yeah, and also I thought Sean Teal was very good at so it. Sean mainly because you know he's quite handsome, but Sean also Teal like is he's good. He's a great character. He is very handsome. He's Geordie. He's the, yeah, he's the boyfriend, and Sean Teal from Skins. Remember Skins mm -hmm. back in the day? He's very handsome and, and, and a nice guy and everything. And a good actor. But I was slightly underwhelmed. Is my bottom line. Um, and, I, and I, so I felt guilty. I'm these I'm slightly soft soapy on this because they gave a special permission to review it. Stop and highlighting it. I know. And I'm slightly underwhelmed. And we're saying entertaining but, enough, Kay Ribeiro. Yeah. Oh but I do think it's compelling enough. And there's a, so there's a final scene which is really good. I thought, kind of like a quite a violent scene where kind of more of her past comes out and there's someone else involved sure. and blah 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 anyway that did i did think oh okay I, I might actually carry on watching it and the other thing that really won me over is the susanna fielding's in it and you know susanna fielding is susanna fielding is the co-host of this time with alan partridge oh yes she's yeah, yeah, absolutely she's great. brilliant as alan partridge's um co-presenter in that show and she pops up in this as a, as a teacher um uh, colleague of the main character, of Erin Carter. I thought I recognised so, her. So, yeah, she's great. She's brilliant and everything. So it's got, like, a good cast, an interesting cast, interesting locations in Barcelona. It is shot, you know, beautifully, but I, ho I hope I'm less underwhelmed as it goes on, is what I'd say. Denise Goff is in this as well. Denise Goff's in it. Not in yeah. the first episode, though. Not in the first episode, no. no. I mean, she's, she's a on. legend. She's yeah. brilliant, yeah. I mean, it is, like, it is pretty gourmet because that cast alone, yeah. I mean, the fact that Denise Goff's going to do it, she doesn't do any old shit. Yeah. That is, um, yeah. I mean... <laughs> It's a burger. <laughs> yeah, here we go. I mean, look, so, so the idea is that she clearly has this slightly sort of like, she was in Nefarious, but she's not what she said. She's not fucking Jason Bourne, though, is she? Like, she gets involved in this fight early on, and she just kind of rolls around a bit and then manages to stab some with, with a little cake tester. And it's like, but it's not like she sort of busts out some Carly and takes on a room full of people. And even the sort of the latter fight, and people are like, wow, like, how did you do that? It's like, how did she do it? It was, it was one step above a slap fight, like genuinely. <laughs> like the choreography it was, was you not. Know what? It was less than what Tony Collette did in that other show. hundred yeah. percent. Like, you know, like in Jason Bourne, like in the Bourne Identity, where he goes full beast mode on those two cops who like, it was not that. No. She pushes someone over and they die. Like that's basically what happens. Yeah. And yeah. that kind of genuinely, the end of the first season, I didn't even twig that. I thought, okay, she's got a shady past because she knows shady people. But I didn't twig that she has this particular set of skills because I watched the trailer afterwards and they tee it up as if she's some international assassin. Mm. And I was like, you are? Really? 
No, I'm sorry. Absolutely not. Like, I mean, some kid throws a paper, rolled up piece of paper at her head, and it's not, that would have been a perfect incident for her to just murder him in the classroom. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. That's quite a funny scene, though. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so a burger, certainly. Gourmet, hmm. Mm. See, special permission. And special. Still, Thanks for letting I'd like to give a big it. thank you to what Netflix for allowing us to break get. the embargo for who is Aaron Carter. Thank you very much for that. Unbelievable. Uh, and when does this land on Netflix, Boydie? Thursday, the 30th of August. Thursday, the 30th of August. Burgers ahoy. Okay, next up, we have season two of Apple's Invasion. Uh, this one debuted two years back, I want to say back in 2021, and this took a kind of an on-the-ground personal approach to the whole alien invasion shtick. Uh, it was, I think it's fair to say... Deliberately paced. Uh, <laughs> glacially slow is another phrase that could be used. Um, lacking so much forward momentum it was going in reverse is another way, I think, of maybe describing it. Um, how, however, however, David Weil and, uh, and uh, Simon Kimberg series did get renewed for a second season. And it returns now in the aftermath of humanity's victory over the invaders. Or so it seemed... Because, frankly, this would be an incredibly tedious invasion show if there were no actual aliens in it. So the key question here, Boydie, is does it pick up the pace and just how extra are these terrestrials? Yes, it, it does pick up the pace. So uh, I, full disclosure, I gave up on season one like less than halfway through, I think, probably after about four episodes. Um, and I didn't watch the intervening six episodes before watching season, episode one of season two. Did you Go watch a recap? I watched the recap. Oh, yeah. So did I. Yeah, I found a recap. In fact, did you send us a link? I to sent the... you a recap. Yes. I, I said, "This is this is pulling back the curtain." I sent a recap onto our WhatsApp group and then immediately deleted it because I thought it would be far funnier if Kay, in particular, had no clue what was going on. Oh, do you know what? I wondered what that deleted message yeah. was because it just came up. He deleted it really quickly. Yeah, I did, and I remember I said to you, yeah. I'm, "I'm sure James sent us a recap link," and then I thought I was going mad because so I am losing my short-term memory. I, by the way, yeah. So, yeah, it was literally like he's torturing us. He's yeah, gaslighting yeah. us. Yeah, yeah he's actual gaslighting. Sending a link to the recap, <laughs> then removing it. I mean, oh, my God. But luckily, I found it anyway. I found the oh, recap. Geez. I also diligently read all the up sum-ups yeah. of the first season. Yeah. I did not. etc. But I'm saying this. You could, honestly, you forget the whole of the first season. You could just go into the season two. Because yeah. it begins with this quite spectacular attack of these aliens, which are like kind of like weird little spiky kind of like balls of terror, aren't yeah. they? They, quite, they look a bit like sweets. Yeah, well, like with little, lots of spikes on them. With spiky sweets. Spiky yes. sweets. Um, but it's quite, it goes straight in there with a very effective, full action sci-fi thriller. Aliens are attacking visceral all of those words um, thing and it's a very good opening sequence lavish lavish lavishly visceral <laughs> and it's a very good opening sequence then it kind of settles down to remind us of most of the main characters from the first season um, uh, certainly the character of Mitsuki uh, Yamato played by Shioji Kutsana and she's kind of has this special her um, partner, her girlfriend, ended up being with the, taken in by the aliens, I believe. Well, taken over. I think taken she was over. killed and her body was possessed. Right. Exactly. As, as happens regularly. Yeah. So she's got a personal investment, to say the least, in finding about these fucking aliens. And she seems to be a one woman in this opening scene. She's like a one woman, like, battler of the oh, aliens. Yeah. She does. She's better than the woman 100%. In, yeah. She would be a much better Erin Carter. She's a much mm. better than Erin Carter. Yeah. So she's very good. And she kind of dominates the first episode. Um, it is 
Eve, Eve, like Eve, I thought the one thing about the first season is that I felt almost like the whole premise of the show was we're going to take you through what would actually, what would it really be like if aliens invaded mm, Earth? Yeah. And we're going to do it in kind of a quite a almost cinema verite, if I can use that phrase, I have, it's too late, <laughs> quasi documentary style, but also absolutely lavish effects and completely not scrimp on, on you know, the so effects. much money. So, so much, much money. money. And even more so in series season two. I thought the first episode was quite spectacularly full of, you know, the opening sequence was amazing. It was like reminded me of a quiet place that kind of, you know, had that yeah. kind of a vibe. And then even when it settles down, you've got this vast alien spaceship that's been caught crashing to Earth where this guy, this kind of rather pompous, annoying guy is in charge of inspecting it or being scientific about it. I don't really know. Oh, he's, he's dreadful. Doing. Yeah, and he, he feels like an Elon Musk type. He's yeah. another Elon Musk type. By the way, every single drama series now has yeah, an Elon Musk type. Elon Musk yeah, you have to have it. Um, but, but bottom line, I really enjoyed this first episode, I have to say. And, and what it really got me was... Towards the end, there's this sequence. I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it because I, I can feel like James already like uh -huh. he's going to spoil it. I can't like, edit the spoiler out in front of people. <laughs> what I'm going to say is there's a, there's a sequence involving the use of David Bowie's space oddity. Yes, there is. That I will not give away how they do it. But when it first came on, I thought, oh, my God, this is embarrassing. Like you've got <laughs> literally, you know, it got an alien spaceship situation and you're playing space oddity. Yeah. It could not be more on the button and more obvious and clunky. But actually, they do a really clever thing with it. And I won't spoil it, but that totally won me over because that sequence I thought was brilliant. I loved it. So by the end of this first episode, I was like, oh, okay, they seem to have dealt with this pace problem because it's perfectly well paced. It's quite exciting and it's quite interesting. It's kind of a melange of all lots of different alien invasion things, War of the Worlds. Yeah, well, yeah the exactly. Because we had two War of the Worlds relatively recently. We yeah. had the Edwardian one and we had the Tre Francais one. Yeah. Not from It's a bit, a bit of Rival, which is one of my favourite films ever. Not, yeah. not as good as Arrival. Arrival is an absolute masterpiece. But it's got a little bits of those things but I, I did enjoy it much more than I expected to because I did find season one boring as, to, as you alluded I mean, to so boring yes uh, Kay did you love this gourmet burger I didn't mind it I, I would say if, if anyone hasn't seen the first season or you know is into sci-fi as much as James I think you know it's it's for me and I don't know if this is insulting to the show it's easy to understand <laughs> I like so it wasn't as complex as some of the other ones you've yeah. got me to watch um, and so and I like how they did that first you know the emergency news report at the beginning to really just set the scene so we're four months into this alien invasion I do agree like the opening scenes were um, lavish and stuff and it you know looked visually very beautiful but I didn't find these aliens scary at all no. the sweets they look like, yeah, they spiky just look sweets. like these spiky little, I mean, they're kind of cute. They squeak. Yeah. Like, how can you be scared of they them? They could 100% like, make plushes of these and sell them to kids. Yeah, they're yeah. like, they're wow. kind of, I'm not saying they're cute, but they're just like, they weren't terrifying. There was about maybe 20 of them. They did impale people. Yeah, you fine. Know. But it's like, yeah. there was like 20 of them. And then like civilians were fleeing and like this uh, Mitsuki was sort of like flambeing some of them. Mm. And then she gets whisked away. Um, but I just thought, considering this is the whole series or the whole thing is about an alien invasion, it's going to be terrifying. We saw them for a brief second at the beginning and then for the rest of the episode. Mm, but aren't they even implied. the main aliens though? Because I think, I think well, they're I probably know. just the kind of like um, alien police, aren't they? Or alien kind of like fascists. <laughs> the alien Quizzlings. fascists, yes. Yeah, I think there are bigger aliens what? above them. Yeah. I think we do oh. see a wibbly wobbly alien yeah. in this, right? So it seems that you've got the little plush sweet things, yeah. and then you've got the wibbly wobbly things, exactly. And there's some kind of hierarchy. Oh, okay. So these little cute little things, sort of semi cute things, aren't the main aliens? 
Sure. Okay, so I fine, don't think so. Fine. I think they're just like they're, they're the they're the people who go out and terrorise. You probably the need to ask someone who'd actually watch the first season. I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah. Okay, fine. If they're not the main aliens, then that's fine. Because at the moment, I was thinking, right. So this first episode is going to be like. The I mean, they are supposed the to be scary, event. though. Okay, well, and I'm not hard as nails, but I wasn't no, scared. No, no, no. And. Um, yeah, I think that for me, the main terror for that, the family. So there was a family, the second strand of it is that this mother's um, with her kids. Was she in the first series? Yes. Okay. Well, you'll know. All her that husband then. was shagging a foodstagrammer influencer. Ah. Mm. Absolutely what true. a bastard. He died and frankly deserved oh. to. So, uh, RIP. Didn't post it on Instagram though. Missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so she's like, um, sort of like, taking the children across the country, trying to avoid the military, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I have to say, so a couple of episodes ago, you went on there, we did Sanderson, and I said, that was the most annoying kid character ever, but actually I think I've discovered a new one, Luke, oh, son. What he a is twat. so irritating. He is, and it's like, it's not the actor, it's the kid. But look, kids be kids, fine. But if you're, if you're running away from this alien invasion from not so terrifying aliens, whatever, yeah. do what your mum says. Don't dick around. Just do what she fucking says. Yeah, 100%. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, we were all hoping oh, he so would annoying. get impaled on one of the little sweet plush things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's mm. on the list now, so I'm, I'm doing a bit of a league table of the annoying kid characters. But um, overall, I'd say, for your strap line, alien light, but entertaining. Okay, good. Palatable. This is good. We've got a sci-fi through Kay's guard, and that's, that's impressive. Yeah. Well done. That's good. I, so <laughs> we talked about this in the podcast before, and I swear to you, I thought I'd watched the first episode. Turns out I watched like six episodes of the first season and reviewed it for the magazine. No recollection wow. whatsoever. Um, that's damning. But I did go through and I, I, I kind of bits of it started to come back to me like of the, the first season. And I remember just thinking like, so, so we had, as we said, the Rafe Spall, The War of the Worlds. Mm -hmm. We had the Trey Francais, uh, Daisy Edgar-Jones, uh, War of the Worlds with Gabriel Byrne, which was weird and had robot dogs in it. And then you had this, which is, which is not like an actual War of the Worlds. It's not proper HG Worlds, but I think was the closest to the feel of the HG Worlds War of the Worlds, that it had that sense of the unknown, of paranoia, of something scary happening that you don't really understand. Because they'd taken this, uh, similar to Shyamalan did with signs, this idea that if aliens came and you weren't part of the Prime Minister's cabinet or in a position of power, if you were just some bloke on the street, some girl on the street, and aliens invaded, what would it be like? So it's all human drama, which I guess is why you liked it, because it's very human-centric. And... I think the problem with the first season, more than anything... Did anyone watch the whole of the first season here? Anyone? Literally no one. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, well, the problem with the first season was it just it took its sweet time going anywhere. You had, you had this, this busload of school kids, and they crashed their bus into a quarry, and they're there for, like, four fucking episodes <laughs> in a quarry! And you're like, I don't know what about this is supposed to be drawing me in, but it's not. I mean, the foodstagram stuff was relatively entertaining, and there's a soldier, and he's, like, fighting aliens and whatnot. That's happening. But, but you don't even see an alien or even really hear the word alien until, like, the sixth episode. Like, the whole first half of the season is just, oh, there's metal falling out of the sky, and we're in a quarry. And I just feel a little bit like you need more than that. But it felt like this second season had that. Like, it felt like it has... Yeah. I mean, look, it's not pacey. It's not moving anywhere particularly quick. But stuff is happening. You've got the wibbly-wobbly thing. You've got the little plush spiky guys. Um, you know, there are aliens in your invasion show. And I think that's space a good Space Oddity. Start. Right, you've got Space Oddity. So it, I think it had more to offer. So this made me want to watch the second season 
and read the summaries of the rest of season one. Oh my gosh, you're breaking your own rule. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not I'm, not, I'm not watching them. I can't do wow. that. Wow. I'm not, I, that yeah, there's a limit. But yeah, but yeah so Put I'm, the date I'm, in your diary, guys. I may be mildly on board, if for no other reason, like as Boyd said, it looked like it cost so much money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Invasion then, season two, which lands on Apple TV Plus, I'm going to say Friday. Do you know what? It arrives on Wednesday. Wednesday? Yeah, so close watchers of the Apple TV Plus release um, uh, Of which I'm not. No, yeah, because most of their comedies, like Ted Lasso, premiere on a Wednesday. Yeah. Um, but this time, they've put one of their big budget dramas on yeah. Wednesday. I don't know what that means. Wednesday you know. it is. Going head to head with Ahsoka. Clearly, that's what they were doing. Oh, there you go, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a big week. Right. That was Invasion then. So finally this week, we have The Woman in the Wall. Now, this is a six-part drama on BBC One, and this sees Ruth Wilson as Lorna. She's a woman who wakes up one morning to find a dead body in her house, as you do. Uh, what makes this particularly distressing, not that tripping over a dead body when you're trying to get your ready break isn't distressing generally, but but she has suffered from kind of sleep. I'm just giving away the whole plot. I'm doing it again, aren't I? I'm doing it again. I mean, why, why break the habit of a lifetime? What I was going to say is she, she's been suffering from sleepwalking since she was in one of the Magdalene laundries. Yes, this is not a comedy. Um, all right. Boydie. Yeah. Who better to tell us about the woman in the wall than the man in the hall? You. Yeah. Very good. Um, that was a charity laugh, but I will take it. <laughs> yeah, that was a real charity laugh. That was brilliant. That's one of his better ones. Yeah. Um, this is, I'm going to say it now, I think this is properly good. Uh, I think this is one of the best new dramas of the year. So did you far. say that to Ruth Wilson when you did the Q&A with her? I pretty week? much did say that to Ruth Wilson. <laughs> yes, I've done a, I've interviewed Ruth Wilson for a forthcoming episode of Bite TV Podcast. She was absolutely brilliant. And of course, I told her within the first few minutes, as is my won't, if I like something, I tell the person, I mean, you know, you've seen it today, that I like their famously. thing. Famously. And um, I think this is phenomenal, really. It's, 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 she herself talks about how it's a massive mix of genres it's part horror. There's a lot of horror, I would say. Mm. But it's also um, kind of whodunit. It's murder mystery. It's also social realism. Um, because I'd say the two main elements of this show are Ruth Wilson's character, this woman, her background is of immense trauma being in one of these mother and baby institutions that really were, did exist in Ireland for a long time. And the Magdalene Laundries. And if you've seen the Magdalene Sisters, that film, you know about the Magdalene Laundries. Yeah. But a lot of people still don't know about them. And these were Catholic-run institutions where women were basically enslaved um, in the, in the uh, Magdalene Laundries case. And in the mother and daughter um, institutions, the baby, the, their, da their children were taken away, mother and baby institutions, their children were taken away from them if they were born out of wedlock. So it was absolutely horrific situation that happened. And, to, and the most recent um, uh, Magdalene Laundries, I think it was, it was in the 90s, so they make that point. 1996, 1996 I believe. The so Macarena was still in the charts. Right, so they make the point, they, did, they mentioned the fact that Macarena yeah. was still in the charts, to make the point that it was that recent that we remember that bit of popular culture. So what I think the show, that's the background of the show. And it, the, part of the reason why it exists is because they wanted to remind people of the horror of those institutions and what the Catholic Church did to these women. Um, but at the same time, they made a really effective, ultra compelling 
thriller, horror, murder mystery out of it as well. And the first scene, I, I knew from the first scene, I often say this, I, I know often within like five minutes of a show if I think it's good or not. And the first scene in the show is Ruth Wilson waking up in a white nightdress, which has got a blood stain on it, in the middle of a rural road with no one else about in Ireland with cows surrounding her, barefoot. And I thought, oh, this is going to be one of those shows that begins with the dream sequence, you know, you know, like because it's a surreal moment. She gets up, she gets to her feet, and she starts. She walks up, and I thought, oh, she's going to wake up, but no, that, this is really happening to her. She's because she sleepwalks. She ends up like miles away from her home on this road on her own in the on a, in a nightdress surrounded by a cattle. And then she finds her way home and people are kind of jeering at her. She's a famous person within the local community. Then she finds this body. This all happens in the first five minutes in her own home. And she is investigating her own situation. She doesn't know because she has blackouts as well as um, sleepwalking. She doesn't know what the hell this dead person is in her house. She doesn't know how she got there, whether she is herself responsible. And she's been sent a note by someone saying they know what happened to her child. So it's got all of the, an incredible amount of compelling, gripping mystery in the first 10 minutes. Then you throw in Darren McCormack arrives from Bad Sisters, etc., and that film with, um, with what's her name? Um. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, the film Emma Thompson. Emma yeah. Thompson. That film where him and Emma Thompson get naked, which I very yes. much enjoyed. Um, and he has a whole. He is the other half of the series where he is investigating the death of a priest, um, and he knew this priest when he was growing up. And this priest has died in suspicious circumstances, and he's brought in from Dublin to this locate to this this small fictional small town to investigate that. And these two kind of mysteries run parallel, and it may be that. That Ruth Wilson's character is somewhere involved in that mystery, but you don't quite know where it's going. I just thought it was—it's beautifully made. Um, it's directed by Harry Whitliffe, who Ruth Wilson worked with. Has worked with her before. She's directed a film that Ruth Wilson was in, um, and uh, she does a brilliant job. It's properly properly cinematic the way it's made. I, I, I think Ruth Wilson's character is fantastic. I said. I, I, when I interviewed her, spoiler alert for the interview, she really reminds me of the character of Sinead O'Connor. And I was going to say that if Sinead O'Connor hadn't passed away recently, she's this kind of incredibly powerful but kind of derided figure in, the in, the, in, this, in this small town where she comes from. But it, just a complete maverick figure. And she does what the fuck she wants to do and she doesn't give a shit and she, you know, she hasn't got anything to lose. So she really did genuinely remind I said that to her and she said, oh yeah, you're not the first person who said that. Um, so I'm totally in with this show. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I found it very educational because actually I'm, I didn't see the film. I didn't know about the laundries. I knew mm. about the unwed mothers having their children taken away from them and the, you know, the, the horrors of that. But I didn't know about the laundries. And then since then, I've just been researching it because it's fascinating and obviously devastating. And the fact that it only stopped in 96 is just insane. Um, I think Ru Ruth Wilson is perfectly cast. So why are you smiling? Unused to seeing James smile at me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ruth Wilson is perfectly cast, I think, because she just wears her pain and her trauma you know, on her face and she just mm. completely embodies the, the pain that Lorna is in um, so, so well. I think the flashbacks, you know, we sometimes talk about flashbacks mm. and I think actually they, they are really well done here because you kind of need to know everything she's gone through, but also it serves to remind you that these traumas haunt her. You know, that that's kind of part of the reason why she's having these night, you know, um, she's sleepwalking and she's all these things are happening. And actually I found it discombobulating sometimes because I wasn't sure if she was actually sleepwalking or if some of the stuff she was doing was intentional. So that, that was really great. Um, and I think McCormack 
having him is really good as well because it's just, I mean, obviously he's investigating this murder of the priest, but I also like the fact that um, it's also highlighting like the small town mentality about, you know, these out of towners coming in. So they call him Detective Dublin and they're just like very like, you know, they just, they haven't got any time for him. They give him short shrift. So I think my strap line is it's dark and it's hard going, but it is an important watch. And I think uh, Ruth Wilson is outstanding. Dark and hard going. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, yeah. the guy who Daryl McCormack has to work with is really funny. Yeah. And in fact, because you were talking about, you know, talk about Tony Shifts and the weather. Like, it actually is quite funny. Genuinely. Somehow, this, yeah, this is what I was going to say. Right. We talk about Tony Shifts. Like, it... It's weirdly funny, yeah. like weirdly funny. Yeah. As it, like, there's a very comedic scene and then an incredibly traumatic, distressing scene. And initially I was like, am I, like, is there something wrong with me? Like, why am I laughing? Because it just felt really inappropriate. But they do it deliberately. And I think actually it stops it from being too oppressive. Like yeah. it keeps you, frankly, from crying all the way through. Uh, and I think actually it's really important, but they walk a very fine line because it never, never leans into absurdity. And I think that's, that's kind of the signature. But yeah, I think the tone is actually its secret weapon. I really Ruth Wilson is amazing in it, but I think the tone, this this incredible tone that they they capture with it is is great. So yeah, hundred percent. You're yeah, and yeah. she she did talk about how important the hum- to have a humour in yeah. it. Yeah, and she, it's a transformational performance by her. You forget oh, yeah. she's Ruth Wilson within a few. You do, as well. you she's do. It's incredible. it's genuinely incredible yeah. performance. Uh, Unconscious about time, yes. so we're going to yes. say this is on BBC One. When, Boydie? Sunday. It's on Sunday and Monday, first week, and then it's going to be every Monday from then on, six parts. Okay. Well, let's talk about what else is out. Now, Ahsoka is out mm. on Wednesday or Tuesday. It's very hard to tell at this point because they've moved it forward to, I think, 6 p.m. PST, but I still think that's the early hours of Wednesday morning here, Yeah. right? Yeah. So it's still Wednesday, unless you're American. Uh, but that is not only embargo, but they literally haven't shown it to us yet. So we will cover that on Pilot Plus on mm. Thursday. Uh, what else is happening? Um, the Confessions of Franny Langton, which was on ITVX around Christmas, I think in the, the week it launched, is going to be on Monday to Thursday this week on ITV. So they're turning that into a drama. And that's a, it's, a pretty, it's an interesting show. It deals with slavery and yep. uh, other issues. It's quite romantic Queer as romance well. Sort of yeah. it, uh, I enjoyed that show. That's, that's one if you haven't seen it on ITVX. Um, and, and just like that, the finale, Kay, is on on Thursday. Mm-hmm. It's the which has the Kim Cattrall, the long the trailed, Kim Cattrall. Yeah, mm-hmm. she likes to be known. The Kim Cattrall is in the long trailed appearance of. She's going to be audio. She's going to be on the other end. Of the phone. We don't she, actually know fully. She's do gonna, we, I think we? she's taking a phone call, so she'll taking be speaking call. to Carrie, but she won't be in the same yeah. scene, obviously. Yeah. and yeah, so we we'll could. S- yeah, I think we could say today we could go on about um, uh, and just like that, couldn't we? Recent but I would say instead of us going on about it, if you do not subscribe to Terry White's Substack, yes. yeah. maybe go and yes. do that because she talks about it a lot. But even more than that, the last episode, I mean, I have lots of issues with that. Yeah, exactly. We could be here all night. We don't no. want, yeah, and James would be particularly annoyed because he doesn't watch it, obviously. No. Um, so we'll just leave it at it. It'll be fascinating to see what this whole Kim Cattrall situation throws up and what happens in the finale. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Ghosts US season two drops on BBC Three oh, on yeah, Monday, yeah. Uh, and the following events are based on a pack of lies. Comes on Sunday, does it? No, that's the following. It's the following week now. The following okay, week, fine. yeah. Okay, you've got you're ahead of someone. Did look at the calendar. Well, yeah. that was literally based on a pack of lies, so that works out <laughs> quite well. Uh, pick of the week. Well, it's got to be the woman in the wall. Yeah. Okay. For Kay, clearly invasion, I would say. <laughs> 
Women in the Wall. Yes, that yeah. is our pick of the week. Now, we are running slightly late, so we're going to have a slightly truncated Q&A section. If we can have the house lights, please. Uh, there should be some roaming microphones coming along. We've got about 15 minutes if you would like to throw some questions at us. Please be gentle. Uh, I'm going to bring up Google so that I can, frankly, quickly Google things that you ask me. Um, who would like to go first? You, sir, down at the front, just to be a real pain to the people with the mics so that they have to walk the maximum distance possible. Hello. Hello. Uh, I was re-watching Dexter season four recently. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, Dexter season four is good. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, and I was blown away still by John Lithgow. So I'm wondering what guest actors who have come in for like a arc or a single season of a show who have really elevated it to another level? See, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. When we get questions like this on the podcast, we Google it and prepare it. <laughs> yeah. And when you ask us it here, that puts us on the spot. But I actually do have an answer for this one. So I am going to do a K and pick one. I'm going to say it's just for time. Uh, for me, it's probably... Oh, it's difficult. Same show could be one of... It's either Glenn Close or Forrest Whitaker for The Shield. Because... Both of them were absolutely incredible. I mean, it's Glenn Close and it's Forrest Whitaker. Of course, they're incredible. But they were so good on that show. And they're not just like, oh, they're in it. Like, they influenced the tone of the entire season, both of the ones they were in, uh, which were fantastic. For Dexter, I know not everyone loves the Julia Stiles season, but I loved the Julia Stiles season. I thought Lithgow was great as a Trinity killer, but, but, but Julia Stiles, I really thought she was so good in that. Um, and even though I love Edward James Olmos, even though I love him, he was not. <laughs> Guys? We did well. Thank yeah. You. Yeah, he did brilliantly. Yeah. Was the question what guest stars have who proved him? Yeah, good. Like, good, good guest stars, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I can't think. No. I'm really, I'm going to be, re I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be rubbish at the section because I always need time to think. Mm. Um, yeah. So, James, you're going to be the main answer our questions I think. nobody needs that all right fine let's have another question uh i'm gonna go another front row one sorry we will go further back i promise it's just because i'm slightly myopic and i can just see about this far Kay, have you seen oh. for all mankind and if you haven't boyd and james is that the gateway sci-fi for k because mm. It is set in the past, not the future, yeah. and there are no mm. aliens. And I think you could actually enjoy for all mankind. I liked you before this. You came up, we had a little chat. We had a little chat. You made me. Like, I, you might like me after you've seen for all mankind. He's oh. not wrong. He's but not Joey's wrong. Joey's eyes lit up then. No, but you oh. genuinely might, because it's not. I mean, it is sci fi, kind of ish, but as I said, it's set in the past, and there's no, you know, science fictioniness. Do you know what the premise is? Yeah. No, go on. Okay. 1969, America gathers around their televisions to look in horror as the Russians land on the moon. Yeah, it's an alternate history. Yeah. It's, but there's lots of familiar things well, happen, like and I lots of not familiar things happen. And I think you'd really enjoy it. I'm going to, okay, should I tell you what I'm going to do? I'm going to defer to my good friend Boyd, who knows me very mm. well. Should I watch this? Yeah, definitely. Because it, okay, it, it is a character, yeah. Well, ex-good friend Boyd. It's character-led, isn't it? Yeah, so it's like, okay. you know, it's kind of like I'll Mad Men, but with space people. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is, I'll although I hate Mad Men, so I don't know how that oh, works. Oh, you absolute idiot. It's so boring. Oh. It's, I really, really love that episode where they smoke and drink whiskey, though. That's great. No, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Next question. I'm going to go as far back as I possibly can. And no one has their hands up at the back. Oh, you do. Yes. Okay. Right the way back there. Sorry, person with the microphone. I apologize. It's going to be a good steps day. 
Hi. Um, opposite question to the first chap. Any shows that have dramatically improved or hugely freshened up when the main character has left the show? Thinking Walking Dead, I feel like improved after oh, Rick Grimes harsh. left. Oh, it, it, it needed Grimes. a freshen up and it freshened up. I love Rick Grimes, but the last couple of seasons elevated mm. again after some poor mid-season stuff. I know what you mean. It's one of these things where it had been going for a very long time. And it was good to, like the time jump, I thought was a nice, was a nice touch. Having slightly different characters. I, I don't think the last season was the best, but the, the penultimate one was good. I think what they did with Negan was really good as well. But yeah, interesting ones. Ones where they, where you get like an upgrade when the main character leaves. You remember NYPD Blue? Right? So NYPD Blue, which had uh, um, David Caruso in it, right? In the first season. And they, he negotiated, he, he came back for season two, which was a massive hit, NYPD Blue, Stephen Botticott's show. And uh, he wanted loads more money for the second season. He was like, I'm the lead role. Like, what are you going to do? And they went, you can fuck right off. And they sacked his ass. Uh, and they brought in Jimmy Smith instead for season two, who was actually much better. So I would say that actually NYPD Blue really did upgrade when they got rid of Caruso. And then obviously went on to do CSI Miami and do that thing with sunglasses all the time. That's a really good answer to this question. I mean, yeah, I agree mm -hmm. with that. I yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah. There's a trend here. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I can't stop thinking of the American office when Steve Carell left. Um, and I'm not saying it did, I don't think it did improve particularly. In fact, it, probably the opposite. But it was interesting. I remember thinking, you know, yeah, the office without their version of David Brenner was really interesting. Yeah. It went on for a couple of more seasons, I think, after he left. Did you ever watch the final season of Scrubs? Yes. Where, yes. Do you know this? Example. Scrubs yeah. ended and then Bill Lawrence was like, I've got mounds to feed. I've got a whole team. <laughs> yeah. I know everyone's gone. Like literally like, hello, everyone's left. They've turned off the lights. They've packed everything out. He said, can we just do another season with like none of the characters? Uh, and I think like a couple of them come back as teachers. I like, watched like one episode. God, it was dreadful. Uh, never do that. Ever. No. No, that didn't work. Mm. No. No more Scrubs. Any more questions? Yes, right in the middle of the road. I'm so sorry. Uh, right in the middle of the road here. Just maybe like throw it, like, like, like that, like a boomerang. Hi. Uh, I have been doing a Buffy and Angel rewatch of late. Um, however, I haven't watched Angel in particular for a really long time. Mm. And post Me Too and Whedon Gate, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable mm. carrying on Justice for Cordelia in particular. Um, I just wondered where you all stood on the whole separating the art from the artist thing in particular. Boy touched on it earlier with Mel Gibson, but that's something that you haven't seen and you can make a choice to not watch. Where do you stand on the whole you love something from days of yore? I mean, we were all up here having a laugh. <laughs> Sorry. And you come along yeah. and bring out this. Well, Jesus you've Christ. made me miss my train, so I figured I'd bring it down a bit. <laughs> Touche. That's fair. That is 100% fair. That is 100% fair. Uh, Boydie, you've already led the charge yeah, on this. So. That's a really good question. Um, I, it's, I think it's, it is just like a personal decision, isn't it? I think, um, like, I remember reading the Lost, you know, that was a recent article about the, the atmosphere on set and the things that yeah. happened on the set of Lost. And I like And I, I, mean, I went off Lost anyway before the final season. Um, but that did kind of, it does affect, I think, how I feel about that show. Um, and same with with the Joss Whedon stuff. I think when you read the detail of people being really horrible, you know, mm. to, you know, to say the least, 
on set. It do, I think it does affect how you think about a show. Um, and I think there is, funnily enough, I think there's an interesting distinction between actual bad behaviour that has had a terrible effect on some of the people involved in these shows and people talking about stuff that people take you know, overly seriously. I think there is a difference between those. And it does the latter, and, and stuff like what Mel Gibson actually said and did and what I believe he's really like does affect my, my will affect my enjoyment of that show. Or it def, but I think it's just completely personal from person to person, but it, de, it definitely does impinge on it for me, yeah. And, 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 and would do with a, with a Buffy, with the whole Buffy situation, yeah. I mean, I did a thing with Sarah Jessica, Sarah, not Sarah Jessica Parker, I always make that mistake. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, I did, I met her and I, you know, kind of, we talked about that and she was like, yeah, of course, it's, it's affected how she feels about the show, you know, so if it's kind of, you know, it's not like she's pretending it was great, um, whatever happened. So it's just, it's, it's a fascinating question that we could go on for hours, but we haven't got hours because you've got homes to go to. I was going to check Lost Out again and then I read the Vanity Fair article and I was like, no. I think so, you dodged a bullet. I know, I was just, you know. Yeah, I mean, Lost was annoying anyway, but... Yeah, I, it is difficult. I think I... I wonder whether it's also affected by the way you watch films and TV. Like, so I get very, very, like, into the world of things. Like, we always talk on Empire about film buffs and film geeks, the way, like, a film buff will be able to tell you who the third AD was, a cinematographer, and a film geek would just be able to tell you, like, me, like, Dune. Like, I know the law, the Bene Gesserit, I can talk to you in Fremen, all that shit. Uh, and I kind of view things like that. I'm very much into the characters and the world, so it's easy for me to separate the real people from the fictional people. So I'll still watch Braveheart. I'll still watch Lethal Weapon. You know, I'll still watch The Usual Suspect. And, you know, if you're playing, you know, problematic people bingo, that one does quite well. Um, but I, don't, I still love that film. And, you know, I read all the stuff about Joss Whedon and it was horrifying. And I haven't rewatched those shows since. That's not the reason why. But I think I could probably rewatch them and maybe you know, separate it a little bit. So I can't say that everyone should separate the artist from the art. I do think it's slightly more problematic, but like, I would never not watch the usual suspects because, because they were tricky people in it. It is a personal decision. I'm not answering for everyone. I think it's, you know, it's down to individual people. Uh, so that's really shifted. The total, <laughs> that fucking tonal shifts. What a note to end on, guys. Right, please, someone, dick jokes. Anyone, anyone. Yes, you, sir, the pressure's on. Were you as surprised as me that Russell T Davies has come back to Doctor Who? And do you think he can save it? Because the ratings declined dramatically in the last few years. Yes, and yes. I, I was really, I was brilliantly surprised by it. Um, then when you kind of hear him tell the story about, you know, it's just, it just struck him that why wouldn't he? And, you know, kind of, it, you know it, it was just a no-brainer for him. Um, and I think it, I do think he will, I trust in him to bring out the best of that show. And, and also the fact that it's now is a Disney Plus co-production, that is, you know, he's, he has got a much bigger budget. It's not as big as probably people would assume necessarily, but budgets do matter, you know, especially for a show like that. So I think a combination of his writing, I think the casting, I think Shooty Gatwa is an incredible choice. And the whole thing has an aura of thrill about it. So I could not be more excited yet. And I, I absolutely think he, he will, it will become a huge thing. <laughs> Kay, you love Doctor Who. I'm I mean, not James obvious, doesn't but... even watch Doctor Who. Absolutely... I don't, but I actually do want to. And partly it's Russell, who's amazing, and partly it's Shooty, who is also amazing. Um, but yeah, I do, I do struggle with the show generally. But that's, you know... That's my, for another day. Yeah, that's, from, that's a whole other conversation. Um, all right, we have three minutes till we have to stop. So I'm going to say we have time for one more question. Who wants that pressure? Yours was the first hand up. 
Better be a good one. <laughs> it's what we're ending Pressure. the show with. It's the grand finale. Hello there. I was in here last year watching the uh, the capture up on the big screen, which is a great experience. With, yeah. uh, on the screen with, with the uh, the audience as well, and uh, with so many big budget, lavish shows coming out, uh, Bold. and uh, all all those good words. Do you not think it's a shame that so many of them you're watching on a, on a tiny screen, or unless you've got Boyd's TV, <laughs> uh, and um, and do you think you ever get to a situation where some of the flagship episodes, like a finale, might be put on in a cinema, so we could actually all, all have that experience hmm. yeah I mean they put Doctor Who on in the cinema when the, the 50th anniversary they, and I think they did it a couple of times with Doctor Who episodes I think they did it with a Sherlock episode one or two I think as well which I loved I remember going to one of those screenings um, I think they should do it more yeah I mean I would encourage it I think it would be good. I mean, I think that every time that I watch the, our screeners on the... I know these guys, they sync it to their TVs, but obviously I'm a Luddite, so I'm watching on my tiny... And sometimes even minimise, just very small when I'm uh, multitasking. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it would be good to do more big screen screeners. Yeah, I, I, they do do it occasionally. Mm. Like we've seen, I remember seeing the Breaking Bad finale. They put that on in the cinema. That was great. Um, I don't. I think a lot of TV shows. I'm like, I'm fine watching stuff at home, like like a regular person. I think the problem is when we watch shows. No, I mean that in a good way. Like, when he sat down from his ivory God, tower. God, that's a dreadful dinner. Like you plebs, I will watch things like you little people. No, I mean genuinely. Like when we watch stuff on Netflix, it's brilliant. It's 4K. Like the amount of shows I have had to watch on a laptop screen with Boyd's name scrawled across the middle in a watermark. Not that they I share accounts. Netflix. Yeah, uh, it's extraordinary. That is not the way you want to watch a show. How dare you log in as me? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's not the ideal way to watch things. I think, you know, but when you, you know, see, if, even on a halfway decent sized TV, you know, they're all transmitted in 4K now. They look pretty good. Um, but, you know, I think, I think there's a distinction. Like, I, I, I think, you know, Invasion is an incredibly lavish, beautifully shot thing, but it works very well on the small screen. But, like, if someone says, should I watch, like, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning? I'm like, no, go to the cinema. June, mm. go to the cinema. Like, this stuff is incredibly cinematic. It's made, it's shot on IMAX. It's designed to be seen in the cinema. And I think TV shows are often designed to be watched at home, so they actually do, they do work that way. So I don't, I don't think you lose an awful lot. Uh, if you have Boyd's name on it, first of all, <laughs> stop using Boyd's account. But second of all, yeah. that is not the way to watch it, I will say. So... Yeah, okay, brilliant. Well, that is it for our live 250th episode. We hope you have enjoyed it. If you did, please do head over to Apple Podcasts or the platform of your choice and leave us a five cookie rating. Um, <laughs> Thanks so much for staying this long, by the way. Yeah. We didn't plan on being this long, sorry. No, uh, yes, we, we are our, obviously we always running We should have given marathon gels yeah. to have for like, you know, to keep them going. Yeah, sorry. Well, you did get a lot of sugar, so that's got to have helped. Uh, I will say big thanks to Zoe, Becca, Gloria, and everyone at King's Place, not only for hosting the event, but also please don't kill us for running over. Thanks to Craig from Craig Bakes for judging yeah. our baking debacle. Please do go and order some of his brownies immediately. CraigBakes.co.uk, you won't be disappointed. Uh, thanks to our guest, Ricky Gervais, Tom Davis, Nabana Moan Rizwan. And honestly, a massive thanks to Boydie for arranging all of them to be here tonight. I did absolutely yeah. fuck all in that regard. And Boydie sorted all of it out while I was on holiday, so all credit to him. Uh, and thanks, obviously, to all of you for coming out and spending your Saturday night here with us. If you do want more of us in your ears, and who wouldn't, do consider subscribing to Pilot Plus for less than the cost of two soaring malt loaves, unless 
you have a Tesco club card, in which case it is less than the cost of three soaring malt loaves. Uh, on next week's show, we've got a lot to choose from, guys. So we may be going back to the Tower with Gemma Whelan on ITV. Mayans MC, as I said, returns for its fifth and final season. Wheel of Time is back. Steady, K. Okay. Um, One Piece comes to Netflix. Warrior makes its triumphant return to Sky. I will say Jonathan Tropper, who not only created Warrior, but also created Banshee and took over as showrunner on season two of C is on next week's podcast and I got to talk about all that brilliant stuff and it was amazing. You're going to enjoy that. Uh, lots of geeking out there to be sure. Uh, and of course, do listen to Thursday's Pilot Plus. We'll be talking all things Ahsoka. For now though, it is goodbye from TV's Boyd Hilton. Thank you. Thank you. Don't forget. That t-shirt is incredible. <laughs> it is goodbye from Foundations Kay Rivero. <laughs> and it is goodbye from me until next time. Pilot out.